Welcome to the Save Room, your safe haven for gaming news and discussion. My name is Kevin. And my name is Daniel. And this is episode 54. Kevin. What? We can't do numbers anymore. What? What do you mean? Uh, according to iTunes' official podcast policy now, um, if we have a number in our episode, they're going to just wipe us off the face of the planet. Oh, Jesus so... Christ, apple of my eye, poking me in the eye. What is What is going on? Yeah, I got this email saying that they were going to wipe every episode of the save room that ever existed. Actually, it might be a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> it might be doing us a favor. <laughs> They're doing everyone a favor. Something about metadata. Listen. Listen, I barely understand normal data. You don't get meta with data with me, okay? What the fuck is this? Keep my meta in television shows. Okay. That's where I need my meta. At the risk of having our podcast pulled down from iTunes, Mm -hmm. I don't give half a fuck because I don't have an iPhone, but I understand a lot of people out there do, including you. (laughs) I'm recording on an Apple device. I have an Apple device in front of me. Right, we're being monitored. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Got I know what you're saying. Uh, so they rolled out an email. They had new policy changes, right? They're like, ah, this, that, and that. N- nothing. Everything was kind of boring. Like, ah, I don't know what you're talking about. And thank you, Mr. David, our friend Dave guy, pointed this out to me when we were slamming down some anthem in our in our hot jabs. Hell yeah, that sounds different than what I meant it to be. Hot jabs? No, it's gonna it's gonna be a thing. You're right. It was good in the first. Anyway, uh, he tells me that, oh, yeah, by the way, they're actually uh, threatening to pull down episodes that are numbered in the title. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no way. Like, every podcast does. You don't have a podcast unless you number it in the title itself. If you don't do it, it's not a podcast. It's not a podcast. It's probably something better than a podcast. I don't know what it is. It's probably an album. It's an album. (laughs) It's a concept (laughs) album at that point. And lo and behold, it's the last little entry on that email. Mm -hmm. And apparently... We weren't the only people flipping out. Actually, you weren't flipping out. You. I was pretty calm about it. I was like, okay, so what if we get pulled from iTunes? We still exist everywhere else. Actually, <laughs> you had a very Daniel reaction. And what's funny is I predicted your reaction. Mm-hmm. I told Chelsea and Dave about it. I was like, he's probably going to hate the shit out of it because he doesn't like change. <laughs> he, oh. he, he likes the things to be what you know what he was doing. Yeah, sometimes I like to walk the path of least resistance. For this one, I was just like, okay, whatever. Well, I, you know, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you're used to doing a thing and someone's telling you, fuck you for doing that. Mm-hmm. You get upset about that sort of thing, specifically. Not not that you don't like change overall, right? right? I think it's the way that people come at me with action-orienting information where it's yeah. like, hey, you you said this thing wrong or hey, you're doing this wrong. Thing. No more beards. No more. <laughs> <laughs> See, you came at me pretty yeah, hard. You did the throat-cutting thing. I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> I feel intimidated. The beardest thing. So, but apparently this really rustled the podcasting community because mm-hmm. a day later I get an email saying, hey, uh, so we need to clarify some things here. Uh, I know there's been a lot of questions about our uh, previous statements about metadata. Uh, we will not remove episodes that have numbers numbers in the title but our metadata is so fantastic you don't need to do that so the, it's about the quality and like just dialing it back yeah and what's funny is they fucking didn't even send the full email that they intended to i got like a half email hmm. they're just like we won't do this and then it just cuts off at a, a natural point and then today i get another follow-up email of like here's a full email <laughs> i like so. to think that was car talk that pushed them into a corner we're <laughs> car talks like we need the numbers on these you episodes. know you know it's funny because you're like there's every gigantic podcast does that Mm -hmm. like every like kind of funny i looked they Mm -hmm. number their fucking pod like uh gog and uh kind of funny podcast are numbered and games cast but they don't do it for kind of funny games daily they usually just take a topic and make it the title well they they also put the date 
Oh, okay. That's, that I guess shit. that's one thing that you could do to get around it. Those are numbers in the title. Is that like, what What are the rules here, really? Well, you said they were looking for like serialized numbers, like chronological, like one, two, three, so on and so forth, because yeah. like they're afraid of people like spamming stuff on RS feeds or like spamming podcasts. Or what are they spamming? I don't Who, know. Who's spamming shit? Get your shit out of here. Nobody wants to listen to your fucking uh, your shitty detective podcast. Get out of here. Listen, people really like making a murderer. Wait, what is it called? It's, um... I think it's Constructing a Killer. Constructing a Killer. I forget the name of it. My thing is, like, I don't have the energy to spam anything at all, as it is. If we spammed a little more, maybe we'd be a bit more successful. But, you know, that's on us. Listen, we can barely get these episodes out. What the fuck are you going to do? Taking down our old ones. Right? (laughs) Come on, man. Give us, throw us a goddamn bone, Apple. There it is. Come on, Apple. Throw us the core, even. Well, this is episode 54. Never happened before. There it is. Oh, shit. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) They pulled it down. It just cuts right there <laughs> we're just fucking muted the rest of the hour so we got some cool shit on the yep. docket um we usually record on saturdays my dude kevin here is going to ireland for a week so we oh, had to... what <laughs> oh, oh, so you're going out there for a work thing huh yeah i'm going out there for a work thing um I, I gotta tell you, when it comes to, like, big travel like mm-hmm. this, I'm super stressed. Like, really just stressed. Yeah, you're breaking out pretty bad Yeah, right nothing's normal. Mm-hmm. Nothing's normal. Everything's topsy-turvy. But uh, I've got everything lined up. I got everything planned. I got my passport. Uh, apparently, you don't need a visa mm-hmm. to, to go out there to Ireland. In fact, I, I watched videos all last night of uh, kind of social faux pas when you're traveling out there okay good because you're a walking faux pas otherwise (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely things that you shouldn't do uh including don't try to speak gaelic okay uh which is actually pronounced like gaelic or something like that Gaelic, okay because the thinking is if uh if you can't speak it don't do it (laughs) that's fair yeah also don't claim that you're 100 percent irish you don't have the right if you're not from the country apparently even if both of your parents are from the country and just fucked in a different country and made you not okay. And apparently it's really uncool to say St. Patty's Day. Okay. Like, don't fuck around with St. Patty's Day. You say St. Patrick's Day. Respect. No matter what. No matter what. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of YouTube videos, a lot of stress, a lot of nervousness. I'm going to be gone for a week. So that's why we decided we're going to record an episode right the fuck now. Mm-hmm. It is a Friday. It is the 1st of March. Hell yeah. And we we ducked out on doing an episode last week. I was real tired. <laughs> you're real tired, and you got a new game. You got Anthem. You seem like you're going pretty hard on that. And just wanted a video game yeah, day. Yeah, I just wanted a video game That's day, fair, dude. Man, my weeks are getting more and more just kind of booked up. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, some weeks I'm not even in the fucking country. Anyway. That's true. But this episode, we got some news that we kind of wrote for, some that we didn't, because we just kind of needed to put an episode together. And we're yeah. kind of two weeks behind at this point. So it's yeah, a lot of stuff happening. Matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, because we can't number our episodes anymore more so it's like you won't know what this is <laughs> they're like what is this is this a future <laughs> oh really new pokemon's coming out what the fuck <laughs> so we've got a few things here but before we get to that viable safe roommates we're gonna do some housekeeping real fucking quick mm. if you didn't know this is the save room it's gonna get pulled down by apple it's brought to you by your two favorite soft boys you can find us on soundcloud.com slash the save room show never gave us any kind of policy warning about number no, soundcloud is pretty chill soundcloud's the g they actually are like hey you don't need to actually put your podcast name in the title i'm like cool Good yeah tip. you don't have to name your podcast anyone's <laughs> totally was like what it's just blank metadata go the fuck ahead (laughs) (laughs) or you can find us on spotify you can find us on 
iTunes. You can find us on iTunes. <laughs> and you can find us on Stitcher as well. And uh, Chatbox? Castbox. Castbox. We're yes, not- yes. Single time, yeah. Every single time, we're never gonna be on fucking uh, sponsorship status for them. It's That's okay. True. I wish we had stickers, so when you go out to Ireland, you can just post our like stickers on like random like what do they call them? Uh, lose. Win. Oh, lose. <laughs> yeah, I think they call them lose. Hey, what's going on? We got Lou O'Donnell over here. Smashing I put a sticker, a sticker on his fucking forehead. What the fuck is the save room? What's going on? Is it a new sport? <laughs> what the fuck? They number their episodes. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Daniel. <laughs> That's the joke of the episode. <laughs> Daniel, how are you, by the way? I, I'm pretty good, man. It's It's been a high-stakes week of just working and being mostly sedentary otherwise. What is that? Dysentery? Sedentary? Sedentary. No, I don't have dysentery. I'd be you a different dysentery. color if I did. <laughs> <laughs> sedentary is a lifestyle where you gain weight. Dysentery is a lifestyle where you shit until you end your life. Yeah, basically. Gotcha. Yeah, but yeah. I, I'm doing pretty good otherwise. I'm glad to see that we're moving out of the winter months of, of Seattle and moving into the spring. I love spring around here. It's real nice. It means I get to go outside and see sunlight and feel normal again. Uh, and I also get to see cherry blossoms. And that makes me happy. I don't know how to fucking parse out any of that information. I'm sorry. Did you come at me with positivity? Who the fuck do you think you're talking I'm to? Trying to be here? positive. Do I look like Pee Wee Herman over here? You think I'm a, I want to crack a smile right now? I'm about to get on a plane and fucking die, Daniel. <laughs> Listen, I'm trying to imbue positivity for you, man. Run with it. Run with it. <laughs> what the, okay. What's funny is um, my my flight is I go from Seattle. Mm-hmm. I go to Atlanta, layover time, mm-hmm. and from Atlanta, I go to fucking Paris, France. Yeah. So I'm going all over the... I'm doing fucking zigzags all over this goddamn world, when, spreading the save room joy. When you're out there, I want you to find out like some sort of like... I want you to get the pulse on like Irish gaming culture out there. Oh, I'm, I'm actually really intrigued by that, mm-hmm. because some of our uh, favorite content creators are from Ireland, and Ooh. apparently you don't pronounce it Ireland, you don't pronounce it Island, you pronounce it Ireland. You're doing that thing where you correct me again and it's making me... Ireland. (laughs) (laughs) Ireland. (laughs) Yeah, some of our favorite content creators out there. Danny O'Dwyer. uh, There's this really cool YouTube you guys should check out. And they also have a Patreon called Writing on Games Mm -hmm. where they essentially do like uh, the creator does an entire essay and just films it. We watched one about Resident Evil 2 last night. Oh yeah, we were watching the one about uh, Mr. X. About Mr. X and his whole systems making the great argument that he's really not as scary as some of the run-of-the-mill things that you're running into in the game. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Check out that shit. So I'm going to go over there. I'm going to tell him, like, hey, I have, a po- I have a podcast. And they're like, oh, what's it called? The Save Room. Oh, is it numbered? <laughs> well, while you're out there, you should also yeah. tell them that you can find yourself on Twitch, because I think that'd be cool. They're like Twitch streamers out there, right? Oh, fuck. Yeah. You see, I forgot that part of the housekeeping, yeah. and I see how you tried to natural, naturalistically there was a natural bring it course. back in. Look, it's late, Saver. Yeah, dude. We're kind of off the course when it gets past I came back hour. from a happy hour, and we decided <laughs> to fucking do this, because we were like, ah, we gotta get one out. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna do a remote session from the other side of the fucking world. Anyway. Fuck no, I'm gonna chill. Yes. We have been doing some streaming. Actually, Daniel has gotten some uh, some good, uh, some good uh, traffic coming your way for uh, Celeste. Yeah, I've been doing some uh, FaceTime with the game time, doing some ASMR here and there. People really like when I eat chips and show them my Girl Scout cookies and play video games, I guess. I don't know. I guess they're there for that. I'll let you have that. I'm not going to come at you. I've said some weird shit already in the first 14 minutes of this episode. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> they can find Daniel where? At twitch.tv slash Dungeons and Daniels. Like Kevin said, I've been playing a lot of Celeste. We're going to get more into that at the back end of our episode where we talk about what we've been playing. We're going to talk about that because yeah. we're, we're going to loudly rant about the, the games that have been taking up our time. Uh, if you wanted to see my streaming endeavors, you can find me at twitch.tv slash The Red Herb. And Kevin's been playing a lot of Anthem. I've been playing a shitload of Anthem. Throw all your hands up. I didn't tell you a few things. So first of all, you have delayed, yes, Mm -hmm. you have delayed your purchase of Anthem, but you finally have done it Mm -hmm. a few days after it fucking came out. So it's not too delayed in my mind. So I was trying to practice like smart consumer habits. I didn't want to fall into the same trap of like Fallout 76, buying a $60 game at launch, being kind of disappointed with it, waiting for content to happen. That's not going to happen. And I was like, all right, I stayed in my hand. I ended up getting Celeste because there was actually a really banging critics choice sale on the PlayStation network. I got it for 11 bucks and I was like, cool, this, this will hold me over for like two weeks until i get anthem but i heard you guys having fun you chelsea and dave and somebody else i don't know it was just me chelsea and dave i thought there was a, a fourth person in the party for a bit dun, dun, dun. but so i heard you guys having fun and i was like all right it's been a week maybe i'll get anthem now and you know i, I bought i haven't put it in yet I haven't even played yeah it yeah you wait until i'm fucking flying out of the goddamn country to pick up anthem yeah well the hope was that we were gonna record earlier today and then maybe like play some anthem before you leave but you didn't let me know that at all oh uh, we talked about it did we talk about you that? never listen to me uh, apparently not <laughs> <laughs> so Okay, so me, Dave, Chelsea, we've been we've been going at Anthem. We'll talk about that in the back end of the episode, but I want to let you know that we've created a group. Mm-hmm. We are called the Second City Javs. The Second City Javs? Yeah. You sound like a fucking futuristic <laughs> basketball team. Or, or like a futuristic improv group. <laughs> <laughs> yes, You jab. remember like uh, America's Best Dance Crew? No? That was on MTV? Well, I do. Oh, wait. I couldn't forget that show. Yes, I had a friend who endlessly talked about the fact that, like, he had a buddy who was in a crew that was on that show, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, okay, I've never well, watched that. Second City Jab sounds like the Second City Dance team that tried to be, like, the Jabberwockies, just do, like, crazy, like... Jabberwockies, Yeah, they were yeah. great, dude. They're fire. Like... Check them out on YouTube. Yo, I think you've actually showed me the Jabberwockies <laughs> already, because the name really sticks out. Oh, yeah. Okay, so, uh, in, in Anthem, you have these suits of armor. Your Iron Man's essentially called Javel. Mm-hmm. and i submit that we just call them jabs i'm okay you know, with just it make it make it easy chelsea was giving you pushback though a right? lot of pushback <laughs> but here's what's funny about my platform <laughs> everyone is very supportive of this mm-hmm. everyone who's jumped into the streams they love it they call him jabs left and right dave's calling him jabs now i, I went out of my way did a little research to make sure i wasn't making any kind of racial slur mm-hmm. well actually i started saying it before i knew it was a racial slur or not and i found out it's race related is it yeah apparently jav could stand for japanese adult videos in certain circles of the internet you know oh, okay we're taking it back it's fine it's that's fine fine and hey, also that's not a negative thing that's not a negative no thing it's positive all. it's positive Absolutely. here's the thing kind of funny said jabs first so if anybody gets in trouble for it they're gonna fall on the sword first i'm gonna need you to fucking get that episode because uh kevin pape started this jab movement. oh okay. okay so if you're saying that kind of funny predates mm-hmm. kevin pape's movements i'm not coming back from ireland <laughs> <laughs> bury him amongst the guinness and the lasses <laughs> like i'm just gonna stay there <laughs> <laughs> with a week's worth of cloves and start a new life daniel <laughs> damn all right dude you want to get into this episode yeah let's, let's talk some news shit. for these roommates all right, dude. Uh, so some of this is going to be from like a little while back, but we still wanted to talk about it because our opinions 
matter to us very much. So the first thing on our here, opinions, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Why start a podcast and unless we weren't in love with our opinions? Uh, number one on here, my friend. We mm. want to talk about this. We talked about this in the past, but this is a new development. Scalebound is rumored to be coming as a Switch exclusive. Ooh! Oh my goodness! That'd be sensational if it happened. I mm, scale say no, no. Take that out of the fucking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo Insider reported on rumors that Nintendo has picked up Platinum Games' canceled project, which was originally slated for the Xbox One. Now, this is also corroborated. That's coming out wrong. Corroborated uh, by Game Informer's Imran Khan. When he went on Kinda Funny Games Daily, he says that Nintendo was uh, definitely reviving a game that was thought to be dead, buried, gone forever. But he wouldn't say which one mm. now everyone kind of pieced two and two together and was like oh it's got to be fucking scale bounds i think that's a really interesting prospect especially since nintendo already has a close relationship mm. with uh platinum games i mean we saw from um this year's direct or february's direct that they're doing astral chain mm. it looks like a pretty well like in-depth concept and yeah. of course bayonetta 3 is coming down the line so kind of stands to fucking reason wouldn't you say the same i would definitely say the same well who mm. was working on it Oh, no, it was Platinum Games before. It was definitely Platinum before, but it just got fucking axed for one reason or another. And Microsoft kind of made a habit of doing this. A lot of projects that were excited, or I'm sorry, that got fans excited, Mm -hmm. kind of got the axe. Like, uh, take, for instance, Fable 4 or Fable Legends is what Mm -hmm. it was. It just seems like Microsoft comes in, and for one reason or another, even though the project looks good... They just kind of shut it down. Didn't they close Lionhead Studio, though? They sure as fuck did. Yeah, they sure as fuck did. And so they kind of closed the doors on this project, too. I don't even remember why. Like, it was, what, 2017, 2018 that they kind of, like, clipped the wings on this one. Or, like, okay, Scalebound's not happening. And after they had showed off, like, trailers and stuff Mm -hmm. at E3 and otherwise. I can't even remember why. I I, I think (laughs) they kind of said that it was... Was it a creative differences situation or... Or was it just like, I don't know, maybe Platinum Games got sick of working with Xbox. I kind of heard something uh, very similar to that. What else have they done with Xbox? Nothing. I was going to say, because like they're not like Nintendo like nothing, where they yeah. had exclusives. Like, yeah, they had like Nier, which was cross-plat. That was cross-plat, but I, I damn, didn't it take but, a while for it to come out to Xbox? Yeah, or, it came like, out to later? PlayStation first. It actually only came out to Xbox like after this past well, E3 Well, shit, I would almost say that that's more of like a publisher situation because Square Enix was True. putting that game out, so that's whatever deal that they did. Yeah, yeah. So Platinum could have been like, yeah, sure, whatever the fuck, and okay. <laughs> you know? So I, I think this might be cool because a lot of people got really excited for this game, mm-hmm. really wanted this game. Well, it was kind of a disappointment too because like Xbox this gen hasn't really been known for their like break the door down exclusives they kind of have middled with some of that what stuff are you talking about crackdown 3 let's not talk about crackdown 3 and it's metacritic score i and insist how it's we talk about crackdown 3 Daniel. <laughs> different episode <laughs> different day but like so no one else <laughs> you know we have our halo we have gears of war i know you played gears of war what gears of war 4 uh gears 4 yep and you I were kind of underwhelmed play it i was definitely underwhelmed and actually i struggle to remember anything notable about that campaign except for the fact that it brought back some old characters yeah. that's about it so the idea of like a new franchise coming into like xbox's wheelhouse was super exciting and then they cancel it i'm like okay whatever you know that happens but the idea of nintendo picking it up is especially cool Considering all the stuff we've seen with the two uh, companies lately, like uh, them working together, striking up deals, doing the Play Anywhere deal with like Minecraft and Fortnite. You know what this has got people saying? They're just saying like Nintendo should just fucking buy up Platinum. You know? that that And, and you know, to be fair, 
I don't think that is the worst idea in the world for that studio. Mm-hmm. They recently had a, one of their uh, legacy producers left. He left, and people are like, oh, what's going on with Platinum? Mm-hmm. And Platinum doesn't like pump out hit after hit. They're definitely like a a four higher studio. If you mm-hmm. remember, you know, Transformers Devastation was neat, but it didn't really set the world on fire. The fucking Legend of Korra game was garbage beyond belief. Oh yeah. You know, like this is all platinum. And then you got shit like, oh, Metal uh Metal Gear Rising and then you have Near Automata and you're like, oh shit, platinum's fucking amazing. It's like it's this kind of uneven thing and I have to wonder. It's like are they and they take on so many projects at once too, you know? It, I feel like it would serve them to have an industry player like Nintendo come in and kind of be like the mentor and be like, okay, guys, because Platinum's not that old of a studio Mm-mm. in my mind. Sure, it's I think they've gotten past a decade, but still, relatively, like have Nintendo come in and be like, hey, you don't need to say yes to that, <laughs> or this is probably the right direction to go with this. I I think that might be a good thing, but I feel like it would almost be a disservice in the way that we wouldn't see games like Near pop mm-hmm. up for like you know PS4. And yeah, such. I, I don't want to see that kind of happen because i like the accessibility of like different games across different platforms i like the idea that there are exclusive nintendo platinum games like bayonetta mm-hmm. and then i like the idea that there are other ones like near that serve like xbox and playstation fans i i think it's very it's it's smart on their their part and it creates like a well-rounded ecosystem for their games to get out there and for everybody to kind of experience it yeah uh, so no i agree i i want them to pop up everywhere else but i gotta ask you I don't remember either of us really giving a hot damn about Scalebound. I remember seeing footage of it and just thinking like, oh, is this kind of like Drakengard? What, what is this? I thought the trailers were kind of cool. I remember there yeah. being some weird like Beats by Dre tie-in. Like w- there was what? A weird like headphone tie-in yes. to like a lot of like the trailers yeah. and stuff. I was like, what's happening here? Yeah, my dude was like a kind of a Dante-ish ripoff, mm-hmm. like uh, the, the protagonist in it and he's riding dragons and yeah i think the the protagonist was like the one thing that threw me off but everything else like the scale of the dragons and some of the set pieces like this is cool but like it didn't really speak to me too hard because yeah i don't have an xbox so okay revive this project bring it to the switch now you have my attention mm-hmm. now you have a lot of people's attention actually that's true so. that is true and a lot of people are pretty happy about this idea now 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 no, it no. is a rumor yeah, exactly <laughs> you, you felt you you feel you fucking hit it right on that it's just a rumor we don't know that it is a for sure thing nintendo might like surprise the shit out of us and be like mm-hmm. do, do you fucking remember mario paint you thought it was dead <laughs> and like that's what the that's what uh imran was talking about we'll, yeah we'll see what it is we'll follow up in that one i mean fucking know something. we have to see what astral train is like first and how that does astral train astral chain astral chain astral chain chain i said it right it stars a bunch of fucking cops shit <laughs> that's the sound of the police bring back dynamite cop what is dynamite cop you don't remember dynamite cop no i don't oh my goodness it was an arcade brawler made by sega where you play as like it would be sega cops going on like a ship and just beating the shit out of motherfuckers it played like fighting force if oh, you cool. remember that back yeah, in yeah the day. i remember that bring back dynamite cop get platinum games on that sega <laughs> do you feel me i feel you Okay, I'm sorry you, we went there. You got me really pumped for Judge Eyes in that moment, thinking about Sega and thinking about, you know, Streets of Justice. Quick side, you huh. can take this out of the episode if you want, but apparently Judge Eyes is a more focused version of what makes Yakuza good. I'm super excited about that game, That's going to be cool. I want to get that game. Let's get that game. Let's get that game, bro. Let's hold hands and get that game. Whoa. I got a number two on here. It's a real quick one for you. I just want to give a shout out to my love. Mm. Uh, Resident Evil 2 has hit 4 million units 
shipped, son. Damn. The last time we recorded an episode, they were at three million. We are in March, and it came out at the end of January. This is fucking fantastic. In fact, they're actually going to overtake lifetime sales, almost, mm-hmm. of the original Resident Evil 2. That's nuts, actually. Fucking nuts. And, I mean, we have this context of, like, oh, it came out in January. It came out January 25th, kind of end of the month. So this is really just February sales and end of January It's sales. barely been a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's it's been a month, That's and it's crazy. fucking killing it. I am so glad. Um, Fun, fun thing, by the way. Uh, Capcom sent out a kind of poll for, uh, you know, fans out there that mm-hmm. kind of said, like, what do you like about RE2? What works for you? What what do you want to see? And there's a lot of questions on there, including, like, what's your favorite aspect of Resident Evil 2 Remake? Mm-hmm. The fact that it, it, it adheres to classic Resident Evil, the control style, the viewpoint, the third person, like, you know, and you get the vote and all that. And it seems like they're really listening and really letting that guide their hand. And maybe they just have to prove in internally to capcom and it's like hey re3 needs to happen as <laughs> a remake look yeah i they put that out on twitter and there was a lot of fan feedback and response yeah. you actually had some suggestions for them didn't you yeah i <laughs> said i said that uh it'd be really cool if there was an arranged mode in the game that kind of mixes up uh puzzles and items and some motherfucker online was like that's what the second run is and i was like not really though no it's not, no, it's not. like i'm talking about like when you start fucking a campaign i want shit to be different mm-hmm. and Add the extra enemies from Ghost Survivors, the fucking pale heads that come mm. at you. That would be sick as shit. Yeah, after having some hands-on now with the the Ghost Survivors DLC and No Way Out, I'm like, I would actually love to see Mm-mm. them in like different environments, whether it's the RPD or the sores or the lab. Even I feel like the lab they'd be very well set there. Oh, that would be the scariest shit because it gets really dark in the lab as well. Oh god damn do it capcom now i also had one piece of feedback for them that i would like like to see um uh remake dino crisis you fucking cowards it's been 23 years probably not but it's been 23 years in my heart it's been three decades we're getting older by the minute waiting for it we actually have kingdom hearts 3 out that's a real thing, Capcom. And the you last got Guardian Dino Crisis? came out before Dino Crisis remake did. Final Fantasy 15. I can't talk shit about it. I like that game. That's okay. <laughs> got the boys, man. What do you got for me on the next thing on here? Oh, the next one here. I guess it was like a sad thing, but it's also like... It's kind of, kind of nice to see somebody bow out on a positive note and kind of see the community, you know look back on a man's career and, and you know, have nothing but good things to say about him. But Donald Trump resigned. No, wrong timeline. Oops. Reggie fils retired. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Reggie uh, fils last week, he announced his retirement. He's taking all the skeletons with him, and a man named Doug <laughs> Bowser is taking over the castle. Okay, yeah. okay. That, that's... That's a thing. Yeah. Like, do you think he just applied to Nintendo and somebody was just like sifting like, oh, Larry Johnson, Rick Robinson, fucking Doug Bowser? Call this motherfucker up. <laughs> he's on brand. He is so on brand. Like, I know he's been working for the company for a while now. I've, I've never heard his name before. No, but, never. But it's just like, okay, they were waiting for this moment, or at least to showcase him in some sort of light. They were absolutely waiting for this fucking moment. They are just like, ugh, the only thing that we can smooth over the loss of the Reginator, mm. a fucking living legend among us, is like, oh, I, we I, got I... Dick's Luigi to take over the company. <laughs> <laughs> 
We got Betty Bowsette coming in here, <laughs> fucking wrecking house. Bowsette's real, and she wants to fuck all of you. It's it's crazy because like um, Reggie was one of the the faces that I first tied to a video game company. Maybe because like I spent a lot of time playing the games, but not knowing the people behind the products, mm-hmm. whether it was Nintendo or some of my favorite software. And I really just liked him uh, at a face value. You know the way he presented himself at conferences and the way that he had like his media presence about him. And he seemed like really fun. He seemed lighthearted. He seemed like he had nothing but the consumers in mind and Nintendo's best interest in mind you, you know? remember you remember how they originally rolled out reggie at e3 like uh, i think 2014 or mm-hmm. something like that no no it was definitely earlier than it was that. way earlier than that Fucking, yeah, yeah. No, it was way earlier yeah than he's that. been You're with right, nintendo right. since 2003 yeah yeah so it's almost 16 years of reggie that he rolled out and his speech was my name's reggie and i'm about kicking ass and making great games <laughs> fuck man and people remembered him people like he definitely cemented himself uh i love him because he's like people meme about him and he leans into mm -hmm. him and he has fun with it like you know he granted he's in his like 50s but like he knows what it's like to kind of give the people what they want even if it's just like playful joking yeah can you imagine retiring at 51 Mm -hmm. i expect to die at 51 let alone retire what the fuck Jesus Christ. Yeah, well, I, I hope to not be around in my 50s, but we'll see. Good good on him. Good on him. And I really do hope that he gets to spend, like he said, he's going to spend more time with his friends and mm-hmm. family and polish the many, many skulls that he keeps in his backyard in Redmond, Washington. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's going to retire to Koopa Island and just live his life amongst the Mario memes. Live his fucking life and, you know, maybe finally just, I don't know, burn down a stogie, play some 3DS. <laughs> No, he can finally Snort reveal now that he's off like a... of a hooker's ass. Oh wow, he's married, Kevin. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> so we didn't write anything officially about this, but I just kind of got the article on Polygon that they put up uh, Give it to me. on February 21st, 2019. It says Reggie Fils-Aimé retiring from Nintendo, Doug Bowser to take over as president of Nintendo of America. Reggie Fils-Aimé, the charismatic president of Nintendo of America, is retiring. Nintendo announced Thursday that Fils-Aimé will step down on April 15th. Doug Bowser, currently the head of sales and marketing at Nintendo of America, and yes, that's his real name, will replace Fils-Aimé as president. Quote, Nintendo owns a part of my heart forever, Fils-Aimé said in a news release. It's a part that is filled with gratitude for the incredibly talented people I've worked with, for the opportunity to represent such a wonderful brand, and most of all, to feel like a member of the world's most positive and enduring gaming community. As I look forward to departing in both good health and good humor, this is not game over for me, but instead leveling up to more time with my wife, family, and friends. (laughs) I didn't even know that. That's great. (laughs) It has been my great fortune to work with and be mentored by Reggie for years at Nintendo of America, Bowser said, and rest assured we will continue to build on his work to evolve and expand our brand further nintendo's global mission of creating smiles there are millions more of those to come uh on twitter fisa may posted a video video message to fans thanking them for their never-ending support and passionate love for nintendo that video also serves as something of a highlight reel for the many memes and goofs that nintendo fans built around reggie's persona and then let's let's go back to it uh fisa may joined nintendo in 2003 as executive vice president of sales and marketing nintendo named him president and chief operating officer in 2006 his introduction to the broad and gamer community came in 2004 when he appeared on stage at nintendo's annual e3 press conference and greeted the crowd saying my name is reggie i'm about kicking ass i'm about taking names and we're about making games fuck yeah reggie (laughs) hell of a run dude hell of a run hell of a legacy hell of a personality like he he definitely was like a face of a company you know and he definitely got to ride out some of nintendo nintendo's best and worst years like he was there when like the wii was riding its major high when the gamecube was you know still in full swing uh you know he saw stuff happen with the wii u we're not gonna blame him for that 
But yeah, no, but he definitely he definitely <laughs> toughed it out. He was mm-hmm. still out there going like, no, no, I think we still have a strong proposition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I he found that. ways to maintain Nintendo in the uh, Western market and make it attractive and new and innovative and fun for people. So you know, props to him and a lot of his leadership and decision making choices. For sure, you deserve your rest, Reggie. <laughs> you are a titan of a person, and I also had a weird thought. Sure. You always have weird so thoughts. So this Doug Bowser guy, right? Yeah. What if they just like from now on just assign you like a Nintendo name once you join the company <laughs> at, at an executive level? Uh-huh. You know, what, what would you want to be? You want to be Daniel Boo? <laughs> I mean, when I go in there, I'm probably the shy guy. You know, I'm, I'm learning the lay of the land, doing my thing, kind of keeping my head down. Okay. Never want to be dry bones. That's how you know you maybe reach the top, but then fell down and they're punishing <laughs> you a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. I still want to be Dick's Luigi. <laughs> Oh, Dix Luigi. Oh, Dix Luigi, you rip scallion. <laughs> All right, I gotta let's talk about the other motherfuckers in uh, Washington. Uh, we got Xbox Game Pass rumored to be coming to the Switch. Wait a second, let me. What? No, that's not right. It says it says Switch. No, it it says it right there. That's fucking weird. That's a different console, Daniel. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Dick's Jill. Luigi. All right, here we go. So both DirectFeed and Game Informer have reported that Xbox is planning to bring their games to Nintendo's console, including Ori and the Blind Forest. Haven't checked that out. Looks cool. Not a stretch, since Minecraft, a Microsoft-owned property, good thing we got it out of Notch's stupid, stupid hands, <laughs> is already on the system. Now, more interesting is that the Xbox Game Pass library could come to the Switch. <laughs> Thank you, Reggie. While the Switch wouldn't be able to handle these titles through traditional means, rumor has it that Microsoft might use their Project X Cloud streaming service to bridge this technical gap. Now, Nintendo has already dabbled with streaming solutions to bring technically demanding titles uh, to their platforms, such as Resident Evil 7 and Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Now, that only happened in Japan because they have better internet than us, but it's cool because it's feasible <laughs> it's it's feasible oh <laughs> and i think resident evil 7 was really successful from the streaming endeavor front for them out in japan so that's cool that is cool now what do you what do you think is the thinking over at microsoft you know that they're just like ah, fuck if well if you can't beat them <laughs> you know join them or do you think it's just more of this kind of like let's just propagate our brand everywhere mm-hmm. I think maybe they looked back on the last gen and saw that maybe they were behind here and there. That's a possibility. Whatever, you know. I don't I don't know how Phil Spencer and his brain trust how their minds go. But I do know that Nintendo no and Microsoft have always had sort of a relationship together. I mean, look at their I guess passing along of Rare from Nintendo as a second party to, you know, Microsoft. Are they a first party now with Microsoft? Yeah, actually, they're owned by Microsoft. Very good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, you've seen this sort of cross-pollination with them in the past, and, like, it's the relationship's been there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you see Xbox doing this, like, streaming initiative, seeing them do the Game Pass thing. Why not, like, offer their library on a console that's, like you said earlier, that's hot, that people want? It's the Switch, you know? Uh, the numbers are there. There's an install base there. And, like, legit, all they have to do is get people to buy Game Pass. And then, like, the, the right. money's in their pocket for that, at least. Right. I, I you know, I, I actually, I totally see it. Because, like, I remember thinking to myself, I was like, so what is the get mm-hmm. for Microsoft on this end? What, what does it do for them? But it's like, well, you're reaching an audience that wasn't otherwise going to go out of their way mm-hmm. for the Xbox console, whether that be Xbox One or whatever the fuck else they have planned. Mm-hmm. So put in front of them. Actually, that's, 
a traditional marketing strategy, mm-hmm. which is if you want it to sell, put it right in somebody's face. And I mean, it's like, okay, it's cheaper <clears throat> on their end too, because it's like, maybe this is stupid to say, but like, okay, say all the Xbox ones that have ever been manufactured are manufactured. Now they no longer have to worry about putting out hardware because they're putting it on another company's hardware. They just have to worry about putting the Game Pass on there. So it's like, it's easier to maintain like overhead wise yeah no like I, the production I, cost on it is way lower i agree with that i agree with that there, <clears throat> i i think they're still going to push for the hardware business but i think i think internally somebody out there is smart enough to see wow look how quickly it can turn for us xbox mm-hmm. one hasn't d- done magnificently during this generation i feel like the conversation has been more towards what sony's doing and what nintendo's doing mm-hmm. you know nintendo even though they came in late stage still great success yeah i remember before the switch even came out we were worried about what was going to happen with yeah. nintendo we're like oh they should get out of hardware do software and it's like no the, the switch well, shows that they should be in software and hardware stuff. the wii u was such a bad proposition yeah. in my mind that it was just like almost like fuck what is this really going to be good but then it was so that's mm-hmm. great but like, my point is being for microsoft is that fuck things can turn for us really quickly and putting mm-hmm. all of our eggs in a basket in this hardware basket could fuck us mm-hmm. so for them to say like hey we have this streaming service we're pushing to make the infrastructure there we have this game pass that's actually from all accounts mm-hmm. pretty goddamn successful let's continue that reach you mm-hmm. know make that available on pc i think it already is available on pc and then make that available for other people's consoles it's actually pretty ingenious it's a smart tactic like, it, it almost seems like this fucking, like, you know, social network, the movie, mm-hmm. like, kind of move, where, like, the guy in the room is just, like, remove the the. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, it feels like that almost. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's kind of cool. And it also, for me especially, it's like, oh, well, shit, maybe I would be into it. You know, maybe mm-hmm. I look at the Game, pla- uh, Game Pass library and be like, well, I'm on the go with my Switch. I'm mm-hmm. stuck in Ireland and shit like that. It might be pretty fucking cool to be able to stream uh, some games I, w- I wouldn't otherwise have access to. I mean, the prospect is cool. I think there is some a merit to saying that maybe it won't handle all the Xbox One games as competently as it could. But, like, okay, there's still a probably robust, like, Xbox 360 library there mm-hmm. that, like, you know, could handle well on the Switch. So there's that. I do agree. I think they would be a lot more selective with their exclusive mm-hmm. library. Yeah. Like, push your ass to be like, no, 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 no. You got to get an xbox if you want halo infinite yeah you know, you know what i'm saying xbox is still the place to go for our exclusive titles right i don't know i like what microsoft's doing here because like sony's always going to be about their exclusive titles their software yeah. that's yeah, where definitely. they're going to get people that's why we go to them definitely. and you know that's probably why they bowed out of e3 and you know psx and all that stuff because like they're working on their software right now but like microsoft is making waves in hardware them. In, in hardware yeah yeah because yeah, ps5 is definitely coming up soon but they're making waves around them right now and mm-hmm. with this relationship and it's like I want to see where it's going to go and how much more disruptive it is for Sony. And like if they push back. Yeah, I think the bigger messaging here that's really important is that they're saying, wow, we really fucked up (laughs) with the Xbox One messaging. Mm -hmm. We really didn't make it clear that gamers are first and gaming is first. Mm -hmm. This says that to me. Hey, we're willing to play ball with fucking Nintendo to get your eyes on us again. That's going to make waves. They're doing interesting things. I mean, they were already saying that, like, they wanted to play ball and serve us by, like, right. first doing backwards compatibility. You know, that was such a cool thing. A big do. get. Something that Sony has honestly <laughs> dropped the fucking ball on. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. I agree with that. Let me ask you this there. So, yeah, we'll get Games Pass on the Switch. But do you think there's any prospect of, like, virtual console going to Xbox? 
Oh shit, <laughs> do you Daniel! Think we're ever gonna get that going that way? Damn, dude, this is why you got the bigger dick out of the two of us. Uh, I mean, it's not the first time somebody's asked that question. <laughs> of, of which one of us has a bigger dick? It's Daniel. Um, I my cousin listens to this show. Oh, my shillelagh. So that's a really good question, I think, because it's like this cross pollination that's going on. I don't know. I don't know that Nintendo would go that far. Mm-hmm. I think Nintendo would be like, sure, play in our court. And historically, that's kind of how Nintendo has always been. Mm-hmm. By the way, you should read the book Console Wars, okay. where the, that's kind of their whole thing. It's like, you either play by our rules or you get fucked, essentially, <laughs> you know? Uh, for, for such a historic company that has in, in, engendered so much love from its fans, mm-hmm. they are some hard business people. Um, so I, I I really don't think that we'll like see a future where it's like, oh, the Xbox Scarlet, whatever that ends up being, mm-hmm. here's Breath of the Wild on it. I don't I don't see that. Now the other way of the round, yeah, that makes more sense to me. Especially I think Microsoft is more willing to be like, you know what, we'll condescend ourselves because we didn't have a fantastic generation. Mm-hmm. But we want to get that mind share and we want to get an audience that wasn't here to begin with. That is the most amazing thing you can do. Yeah. You know? So, fuck yeah. Microsoft, you're doing some cool shit. Yeah, I'm still not, like, really piqued by their software, their exclusives, but I want to see what they're going to do moving into next gen, and I really want to see what their next E3 is like. And who knows? Who knows? People get into the whole Xbox ecosystem from within a fucking Switch. Imagine popping achievements on your Switch for random 360 games. Oh, yeah, that was the big thing where it's like achievements would now be a thing on the Switch that... Right. Definitely not for fucking Nintendo Switch No, 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 no. But for, like, that that collection of shit and also the library of, like, let's just say that you're able to play shit like 360 games and Xbox original Mm -hmm. games. God damn, would that be cool. It would be cool. God damn, would that be cool. But I... I don't want to get my hopes up. It might be something where it's just like, here's five games. <laughs> you know, something like that. Yeah, but it would still be like a branching of trust and a, a relationship that would continue to develop between the two companies. Yeah. I'm all about those relationships. Are you? Yeah. Nice. Oh, my chalet. Oh, my chalet. Well, I got another one for you mm-hmm. here, bud, that uh, I don't know if it speaks to us fully as much as it could, but it definitely sure. got us a little hyped. Gen 8 Pokemon reveal happened this week, and it's called Pokemon Sword and Shield. <gasps> That's a cool name. Pokemon. Gotta catch him. You're my best friend. I've got a sword in hand. <laughs> you teach me. And I'll, I'll teach you sword and shield. <laughs> That was bad. (laughs) All right. It was announced to much anticipation in a seven-minute Nintendo Direct that we're finally getting a (laughs) full-fetched... Sorry, I'm so cracking up. I'm sorry. Oh, we spiked the levels on that one for sure. Uh, Yeah, we fucked up. I'm sorry, audience. It was announced to much intense... Oh, wow. (laughs) This is like the one time I was trying to fucking read a news bit and you made me laugh like six times and you had to keep repeating it. All right. It was announced to much anticipation in a seven-minute Nintendo Direct that we're finally getting a full-fledged Pokemon console title on the Switch. Mm. Pokemon trainers, pack your bags and get your Pokedex ready as Game Freak is taking Gen 8 to the new Galar region. The Galar region is a lush UK-inspired setting full of countrysides and industrial influence with a railroad system that connects the towns. As with every new generation, Sword and Shield boasts the three new elemental starters and people are already losing their minds. Grookey is a funky grass-type monkey. Uh. Score Bunny, as you could guess, is a fire-type bunny. My bunny likes to score. 
And Sobble is a sad, small water lizard who has been making everybody weep with his tiny hands. God, I want to sob all over that little motherfucker. Oh my god, <laughs> fuck, Kevin. <laughs> Save him after dark, it starts now. While they're... <laughs> While their evolutionary forms haven't been revealed yet, the three starters will likely go from cute to brute monstrosities. Gameplay was revealed, however, it hasn't been revealed whether random encounters are back or if Sword and Shield will adopt Pokemon Let's Go's approach of showing Pokemon free roaming in the world. While no release date has been revealed, Pokemon Sword and Shield is set to release in late 2019. Oh no, random encounters are back. Are they back? Yeah, they are back. Mm. <laughs> oh, that was random. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. You need to fact check me every once in a while. <coughs> or at least I, I... They're talking about it like it's back. I don't know. I wouldn't mind if it was like a clean mix of both. Like maybe there are areas where you can see Pokemon on the world map and you encounter mm-hmm. them as you want to. And then maybe situations yeah. like certain dungeons where it's more randomized. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm like, there's this entire like a uh, railroad system. There's still gonna be these fucking tunnels filled with zoo bats, man. <laughs> <laughs> of course, man. Where does a tunnel? There's a zoo bat. There's a fucking Grimer. It's oh god. So I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna definitely fucking buy this game, dude. I'm fucking getting gonna get it too. It's the first console Pokemon RPG we've yep. ever had. Yep. I'm engaged with the Switch as a platform. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the shit out of it. We'll talk about exactly why a little bit later. Oh. I actually engage with Nintendo Online for the first time. You so, actually bought Nintendo Online. I bought Nintendo Online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, well, yeah, I'm sure you need that Nintendo Online to trade Pokemon, by the way. Ooh, that's a good point. Yeah, there's no way the Reginator well, left that company without making that a thing. Unless you could do it from, like, local, like, LAN... Oh, actually, good point. Yeah. Good point. That might be a thing. Well, we haven't seen those details yet. Mm. Now, the the Galar region, pretty interesting. Um, it's kind of based off of the UK, mm-hmm. which we haven't quite seen in the, the Pokemon universe. I know Black and White was kind of like a New York-ish situation. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we got Sun and Moon as being like Hawaii. Uh, I, I like this. I, I, I like what they could do with this. Especially Sword and Shield has that kind of medieval feel it's to it. It's got a really, really cool yeah. name, and they could really dig into like some European influence and history there. Right. Like now, I, I think they were saying there were even like areas that like had like Stonehenge and like that sort of old like monolithic like No, that's stuff. so cool. I hope they capture the whole raining all the fucking time yeah. feel. That that should be a thing. Too. I hope I get to drink a London fog every other minute. <laughs> I hope my Pikachu's getting fucking drunk. <laughs> now, uh, I know that there is a little bit of vitriol, as there is with anything. God mm. damn it. God damn it. You sure. fucking gamers. Anyway, so the problem is is that people have been kind of expecting, especially for a con- the first console Pokemon, mm-hmm. that it is this kind of reinvention of the series, more in the direction of what zelda did with breath of the wild they okay. wanted like a more rpg like super heavy pokemon. rpg influence yeah and what it looks like is kind of well let's be honest more of the same mm-hmm. i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing and in fact pokemon's always thrived on its kind of iterative very devil in the detail changes mm-hmm. where it's like these little quality of life changes and little like design quirks that when they add up really do bolster the experience i remember playing pokemon uh x and even though the familiarity of all the systems were there from like me playing the game boy fucking red version yellow version mm-hmm. 
it was like the nuances that really tied that experience together where i was like no i'm playing a modern pokemon yeah pokemon x was actually the first one that i got hard into and i played mm-hmm. like yellow and red just here and there like on my friends game boys for like minutes at a time i never like <laughs> had one by myself but it was like knowing very well like what pokemon's been in all those years yeah. and what they've done it's like yeah like it's the most up-to-date version between like the trading the stuff you can do to your pokemon to help like raise their level raise their stats for battle even like the little pokemon playroom where you can like feed them treats and do all this other stuff and it's just i don't know like there was there was a breadth of things that you could do with that game and it was cool yeah i i i I just don't agree because i feel like you know i i don't agree with this idea of like let's make pokemon this fucking mmo or Mm -hmm. some shit like that i'm like the reason why it's sold so well is that it is simple where it needs to Mm be and kind of in-depth in other places where it needs to be like it it understands that balance it has its systems about it like you have to know like the types what is strong against what what's weak against what and that's always been there so there's like granularity Mm -hmm. to stuff like that but i think like it's like you said it's always thrived on the gameplay loops the grind leveling your pokemon exploring finding pokemon trading like that shit it needs to be there for it to be a pokemon game Mm -hmm. i think they've definitely gotten away with exploring different versions of pokemon with games like i don't know like pokemon mystery dungeon or like pokemon snap pokemon stadium they've taken leaps and experimented here and there with other you know ips but pokemon i feel like is always going to be pokemon yeah, it is the core experience, mm-hmm. whereas uh, uh, in comparison, Let's Go was more about, like, let's try to get the more, even more of a casual audience mm-hmm. into this. Maybe the people that we we kind of onboarded with the phone game, let's give them something that's kind of a similar experience, mm-hmm. but still takes elements from core Pokemon to kind of make them understand, like, hey, this, mm-hmm. this experience could be a little deeper, but not too deep. Now, I feel like the people that got onto Let's Go, now that they hear this, it's like, well, I'm ready. I'm prepared to get into what it actually is. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people hadn't even played a Pokemon game before Let's Go or even Pokemon Go, like, when that launched, like, a few summers ago. So, like, this is the perfect onboarding point for a modern Pokemon game. And it's always, you know, the RPGs, they've they've always thrived on handheld consoles, Game Mm -hmm. Boy, uh, Game Boy Advance, 3DS, so on. And this is just the perfect transition, you know? which is that hybrid handheld console yeah it makes sense to put it there like this sure now i will say because it is on the switch i would like them to take advantage of different like you know Mm -hmm. systems and graphics and such that uh, because they have the opportunity where it's like hey it's actually a pretty versatile console Mm -hmm. you know instead of just making like ah, it's 3ds but on a switch well i gotta say like the graphics were pretty impressive for like a a pokemon game Mm -hmm. granted we haven't seen anything like i mean i like the style of let's go but you know it was kind of it wasn't groundbreaking in terms of like graphics. No, no. But this is definitely that. a step up and it's very visually impressive. I like the color scheme, the textures of like the different land masses, and it's going to be refreshing to see a Pokemon game like in that sort of space. I got two important questions for you. Sure. One, who's your starter? Okay, I, I was going to tweet this on the Save Room Twitter, but then I was like, let me go ahead and tweet it on my private Twitter because I don't want to make too many waves. I'm actually not like super wowed by the starters, to mm-hmm. be honest. Like they're kind of whatever i feel like they're kind of uninspired. you're not alone you're not alone actually. yeah okay yeah but like v- vargi was coming in on uh my twitch chat saying <clears> the same thing he was like ah eh, it's the same shit they've done the same thing for three generations yeah a fucking fire fighter and then like you know grass type and a water, water type. type. it's like it's just kind of boring yeah yeah and it's just like i don't know they're weird grookey this grass monkey i don't know mm-hmm. sobble like grass monkey <laughs> i like that yeah but i'll probably go uh probably go score bunny i don't know score bunny yeah i typically go with fire starters yeah, actually, I go with Firestarters 2. Mm. Uh, however, 
I'm going to throw that bitch into uh, whatever pokey bank that I need to the moment that I capture a Pikachu. I get a lot of shit for this, mm-hmm. and fuck you, everybody, absolutely everybody in the world, but Pikachu's my favorite Pokemon. Like, I'm not kidding about that. Pikachu's my favorite Pokemon. What are you, what are you looking around for, Daniel? I need to throw a number in here somewhere so we can pull this episode down. Cause <laughs> listen, like, Pikachu's cool. He's OG. Like, you know, I, I felt... The bond of uh, Pikachu, much like Ash did throughout all the years. Like, you want to know why? Because because you're saying you didn't actually get into the uh, original GBC games. Sure. Uh, my first Pokemon was Pokemon Yellow. Uh, okay. Yeah. Who was on the cover? Pikachu. Pikachu. Um. Who was my boy? Pikachu. Who 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 was there for me when Team Rocket was fucking around and doing that whole human trafficking shit? That was crazy in the first. That was game. pretty nuts. Yeah. You, didn't you remember that? Was Pikachu cool. was there to keep you <laughs> grounded and keep your moral compass straight. He was there. He fucking posted bail for me. <laughs> <laughs> Pikachu. Pika, Pika. Pikachu's my dude. I don't know. I love Pikachu. So. So you're gonna go score bunny. I'm gonna go score bunny until Pikachu happens. Okay. And then give them cute names. I also rename all my Pokemon. I do too. Yeah. yeah. I did that a lot in X and Y. It was kind of fun. Yeah, it's, I don't give a shit about this stupid... Uh, garbage f- fuck, or whatever their name is. Rubbish. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you had a second question for me. Second question, buddy. Sword or shield? Okay, so... I like the idea of sword. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you like the idea of sword? Yeah, I like keeping it sharp, man. Okay. Um, so, But here's the thing. If one of us goes one, the other has to get the other. So we can trade. No. That's how it works. I don't give a shit. You don't want to trade with me? I don't really don't care Don't be about like that, that man. I'm not going to trade with strangers on Which the internet. What are you getting? <laughs> <laughs> Fine, I'll get shield. Okay, I'm going to get sword. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I wanted sword. <laughs> Although, sword has a blue cover. And Shield has a red cover. Mm. And I am the host and proprietor of the Red Herb. My favorite color is blue. Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a problem here. Kind of a problem here. When that hooker ended up dead, Pikachu came in. He opened and buried the body. <laughs> that was a rough night. You shared a bourbon with Pikachu. Oh my god. No, uh, I'm um yeah, I'm, I'm hyped for this one. I'm I'm interested to see the roster of Pokemon if they keep the route of doing gym battles, if we get the Elite Four again. No, yeah, that's that's like, all bat like gym battles and, and uh, you know all that shit. It's core Pokemon, man. It's core, it's core po- Pokemon. I got I got the next thing on here. Since we're talking about Pokemon. Did you see the Detective Pikachu second trailer? Uh hell yeah I did, dude. Um it's the very best. It's kind of cool. It's so fucking good. We saw a lot of things. First of all, we we they upped the ante. There's like two hundred thousand Pokemon that they showed in that that's, fucking that's trailer. Not right. It's it's about right. That's not. There's not. I'm that pretty many sure there's really. That's hmm, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure Reggie promised that there would be two hundred thousand Pokemon <laughs> by the time he retires <laughs> until <whatever>. April. <laughs> until April. Um, sh- showed a bunch of cool Pokemon. Gave us a little bit. Uh, d- you know, different scenes, insights. Uh, Pikachu said hell. At one yeah, point. everybody was losing their mind. Like Pikachu yeah. said a swear. He said a swear word. That's a first for that franchise. Let me tell you what. And then we got a little twisty twist. Cover your ears if you don't want to know any fucking twists. Spoiler alert. Yo, first of all, we'll get into the conversation about all these trailers are spoiling themselves. But mm-hmm. they showed Mewtwo. Hell yeah, they did. Mewtwo's gonna be in the fucking movie. It's amazing. I think that's cool. But I, what? it didn't hit me out of left field. I figured Mewtwo was gonna be in the movie. Why'd you figure that? Why? You saw the script? Yeah, I saw the script. I was in the room there. Ryan Reynolds is like, hey, you want to see this shit? Oh, fuck. Mewtwo's in this? Can't tell anybody, dude. Can't tell anybody. 
you, hey, question for you. Mm-hmm. Do you think Ryan's going to go sword or shield? Oh, he's, pro- he's probably a sword dude. He's a sword I dude? I mean, Deadpool is a sword dude. So. Okay, that's fair. That's that make, fair. Makes sense. That's definitely fair. Yeah. Shield's more on the, you know, Marvel proper side. Oh, oh shit. Okay, so I like how they're doing this kind of arc with the character. I, well, I hate that they revealed it in the trailer, but it seems like Pikachu, or Ryan Reynolds' Pikachu, mm-hmm. has issues with using his lightning abilities mm-hmm. and powers. And then it shows at the end him, like, just going fucking nuts with his lightning shit. And I, like, you already see that there's probably going to be, like, a big moment where it's like, oh, hey, he learns how to be a Pokemon again, yeah. essentially, toward the end. And I'm just like, ah, oh, you, you ruined it, but at the same time, I needed to see it in a trailer to really understand. I don't know. What do you think happened? Do you think, like, this Pikachu was out with Ash one day and maybe, he, you know, something happened with Team Rocket. He hit his head. He fucking drifted down a river on a piece of driftwood and ended up in this town. He was like... Who am I? Oh, I'm a detective. <laughs> he just like had a bad of amnesia and he was like, yes, this is what I am now. And he forgot I'm that he was a fucking detective. Like he probably doesn't even see himself as a Pokemon. Right. He just like <laughs> solves a mystery like immediately. And he's just like, oh yeah, this fucking Mr. Mime over here killed your mother. <laughs> he's like, that's what happened, dude. I I think, I, I, I think Ash died. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and that's going to be a thing that we work through in the film. Okay. Like, I think the opening of the film is just Ash just fucking getting obliterated by, like, I don't know, Blaziken or some shit. shit. Yeah, you just see fucking Ash's skeleton <laughs> in the hat. <laughs> then we have to give him a funeral like we did Logan. Put his hat on the fucking burial plot. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, he was the very best. Like, is no what one it ever says. was. <laughs> oh, wow. And, yeah, that's a lot of trauma that we got to work through mm-hmm. in this film together. And then Mewtwo shows up. Yeah. Um... Hey, why are trailers ruining themselves? The the fucking X-Men Dark Phoenix trailer like ruins a large character death like right in the fucking first 30 seconds. Yeah, you're mentioning something about that and I didn't quite see it the same way you did where you're like, "Oh yeah, they totally killed Mystique." And I'm like, "Did they?" Yeah, because they cut to, "Oh, here's a grave." Oh. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see what's going on there. Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm, like, holy shit, really? I'm okay. interested to see how that Dark Phoenix plays out, because they've been hyping that up for a, a few years now. I mean, to be fair, we knew that, you know, Jennifer Lawrence had to figure out a way to get out of that contract. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, a big character death makes sense. But then again, it kind of fucks up the universe, but then again, they already fucked up the universe a bit with Days of Future Past. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. They retconned all of that in List- a weird way. Listen, but the only reason I mention it, it's just as bright and colorful as fucking Detective Pikachu for some reason. I, I didn't expect to be taken by this movie. We talked about this a few times. Like, if any CG movie with a, a furry character was going to take my hand this, this year, it was supposed to be Sonic. Sonic was supposed to take the lead. But I'm seeing this Detective Pikachu shit, and I'm just here for it, man. I'm here for it a lot. Yeah. I'm really it into this It looks fun. Movie. It looks dark. It looks like that sort of... Because I like that they don't hold your hand with it i like that it is a fully realized world of pokemon they, yeah you, like i feel like you go in with the assumed knowledge of like yeah i already know what pokemon it is and it just plays to fanfare at that point you know yeah we're not doing any of this like oh well the lead character's a trainer starting in pallet town mm-hmm. stuff like no no it's just like you know what pokemon are it's been 23 years yeah, you Fuck better you. fucking know we've made actually like 18 movies already yeah you dragged your well your kid dragged you to it mm-hmm. yeah you remember that no fuck you detective pikachu it's in theaters <laughs> and, <laughs> and i'm sure you're gonna get a call back of like a like a secondary character who's a pokemon trainer or this and yeah. that and it's you know it's you're gonna get the call back to it yeah so when it comes to sonic though like mm-hmm. i 
oh, the returns are diminishing before it even comes out. It's true. Now, because, it, 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 you know, Detective Pikachu's out, out there doing Reddit M- AMAs and fucking Sonic's over here with 8chan AMAs. Oh. That, that's all I want to put out THQ there. Nordic, what have you done? What have you done? How do you... What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't write about that one at all, but, like, can we... I just want to real quick just slam on THQ Nordic. <laughs> I mean, we slam on them enough for just buying game studios and doing whatever the fuck they're doing. Yeah, but what the fuck is this? Even they didn't know what the fuck they were doing, but thank God for Mark getting rid of the nasty stuff. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> thank you, Thanks Mark. for holding it down. Yeah, man. Yo, Mark's a real gaming hero. <laughs> <laughs> also, can we talk about the theme yeah. we got in this Pikachu trailer? That orchestral leg. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah, come on, man. You you know this that's the thing about this movie. It fucking knows its fan base. It really knows us too well. Mm-hmm. It actually at the end of the thing was just like, hey Kevin, <laughs> you got a thing on your face. <laughs> I'm just like, Well, thanks, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh so next thing I got in here, Pokemon. Pikachu is the best uh, Pokemon. Uh number seven on here. We got a little bit of a Mortal Kombat 11 leak. Actually, we're so close to the game being out that it's like kind of a course. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, yeah, things are going to come out. People are probably getting like, you know, pretty close to finished copies for one reason or another and leaking that shit online by accident. Mm-hmm. Actually, sorry. There's no accident there. Yeah. <laughs> well, the characters that they showed off were Kotal Khan, Kano, Liu Kang, Aaron Black, who is essentially McCree, <laughs> and Noob Saibot. Now, Noob Saibot, I gotta, I gotta, let me talk, talk to you about a little Noob bit. Saibot, man. Noob Saibot is one of my favorite uh, fighters, not just because he's one of the, you know, eight ninja fighters mm. that they have in the game. I know how you like your ninjas. I really like those ninjas, dude. I even had the fucking toys. In fact, I had a reptile action figure with a goddamn speedboat. I found out that it was a repurposed G.I. Joe toy. Oh, I was gonna say, I don't remember the lore where a reptile <laughs> rides a speedboat. <laughs> like, straight up, it came with MK logo stickers that you put on the speedboat. I'm just like, wait a second. <laughs> Like, it would have been even better if you're just covering up a G.I. Joe fucking logo or a Cobra Scott logo. Hasbro must have been hurting. Yeah, exactly. Like, what the... No, they just had a bunch of plastic, and they're like, shit. (laughs) What the fuck do we do? Anyway, uh, Noob Saibot. Interesting guy. I told you this a little bit earlier, and you're like, what? Mm -hmm. Noob Saibot is Sub-Zero. Yeah, I didn't know that at all. Okay, here we go. Here we go. I know a lot about MK lore for some reason. You do. You know what's really funny? I was talking to Chelsea, and I was, and she was like, "Oh, are you excited about Mortal Kombat 11? And I was like, "Yes, actually, I've mm-hmm. been playing Mortal Kombat games since I was five. Yeah, you fight in the tournament every year. <laughs> the actual tournament. Yeah. <laughs> God, get that's actually where you're going this weekend. They're flying out to <laughs> exactly. Ireland. Exactly, going Mortal to Ireland Kombat. to fight their best. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was like, no, I'm actually really in love with Mortal Kombat, and I know the lore in and out, and I actually know when they do these fucking, like, dividing points mm-hmm. in the story where it's like, time travel fucks with this or that, <laughs> essentially. So, Noob Saibot, there's two Sub-Zeros. There's two Sub-Zeros. So, in the original Mortal Kombat game, uh, Sub-Zero dies mm-hmm. per canon. Actually, Scorpion kills his ass. That's something that we see in MK9 because they retell that story. You remember? I do, actually. He that was pretty cool. Sub-Zero. His brother, however, uh, Bohan, I believe his name is, 
He takes on the mantle of Sub-Zero as well. They're both Lin Kuei ninjas. And he becomes more distinguishable when he gets a goddamn scar on his eye. Mm. Do you remember that? The red scar that shows up? That's something that starts in MK3 and goes on the 4 and all the rest of them. So it's assumed that fucking Sub-Zero 1 dies, Scorpion kills him. And then Sub-Zero 2 less of an asshole than the first Sub-Zero because the whole narrative was that like, oh, the original Sub-Zero killed Scorpion's family. It turns out that was Quan Chi, man. He, he's a he's a fucking shapeshifter or whatever the yeah, fuck. just rebel-rousing for the fuck of it. Yeah, dude, Starting that's, that's the whole thing. But when Sub-Zero went to the nether realm, such a powerful motherfucker, ice coming out of his ass, he <laughs> became Noob Saibot, one of the Brotherhood of Shadow members. Okay, comes back, decides to fight motherfuckers still, may or may not remember who he is, mm. <laughs> essentially. So that's who he is. And what's really cool about the leaked images from MK11 is that Noob Saibot is there, but you can very much see that it's like Sub-Zero's design, including like some very like Lin Kuei-based, like ice-based look, look to him, mm-hmm. but it's all shadow, Noob Saibot. I love that. That's cool. I love it. That's really cool. I love it. I'm going to get that game. He's air pumping right now. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that little lore no history walk. I you know, I don't know too much about Mortal Kombat outside of the games. So All day, dog. Let's move on to the next one All real right, quick. Do it. What is the next one? <laughs> Unless you want here? to talk about the red reptile uh, speedboat again. <laughs> That's pretty cool. No, it's great. Uh, number eight on here is that Gearbox has a panel at PAX East and... They might be set to reveal Borderlands 3, the third outing, sir. Sirrah, the follow-up to Battleborn. Uh, if you didn't know, PAX East is happening on March 28th through the 31st, and Gearbox has promised never-before-seen reveals, exclusives, and surprises. Hmm. Now, everyone was just like, well, fuck, that's gotta be Borderlands. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think so, probably, too. At, at yeah. this point, like, um, what, it's been since 2012, since Borderlands 2 came out? Yeah. And then pre-sequel came out, what, 2013, 2014? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's been some time, so... It's been a hell of a long goddamn and time. And I feel like they really need to, like, bring Gearbox back to light in a positive way for the community and fans. So, yeah, do a, do a Borderlands 3 reveal. We're waiting for it. I'm kind of shocked that it's happening, if this is what it is. Uh, are you, why, why are you shocked? I don't know. I figured um, all the stuff that happened last month with Randy Pitchford, all that. Like, I just feel like it might have caused too much a ripple effect for the company, and it, maybe it would have put a put a halt in their game development process. But you know, if it hasn't, and this is a prospect that's actually going to happen, then cool. You know, counterpoint. Sure. How do you bury that bad press better than the reveal of one of your most awaited fucking games no i'll give you that it's yeah. it's definitely smart like yeah. garner good hype and they'll forget oh wait, yeah randy <laughs> may or may not be an asshole maybe randy was waiting this entire time <laughs> to pull that <laughs> fucking trigger <laughs> he's like fuck they found out about the medieval times usb drive <laughs> and he was just like all right motherfuckers get a trailer going <laughs> so this is hype. We're both big fans of Borderlands. Actually, yeah. As much as uh, as we shit on Gearbox, because honestly, their leadership is pretty goddamn shady, mm-hmm. but there's definitely plenty of talented people behind that studio, uh, whether they've worked for them in the past or currently, or maybe future people. Oh my god. Oh, oh like Cyberpunk 2077 kind of people, anyway. 
Oh, man. Ooh, did you say Cyberpunk? Excuse me? Get me stoked for that game. Get me stoked. It's going to be at E3, huh? Hell yeah, it is. What does that even mean? Like, people can play it at E3? I think they're probably going to show off more of a gameplay extensive demo. It's probably yeah. going to be very, like, contained. I know how uh, CD Projekt Red is with their stuff. They like to kind of really demo it in a way that, like, serves them. And I'm sure there will be, you know, demos for the press. But that's it. Okay. All, <laughs> yeah. right, all right. Anyway. So, Borderlands 3. I love Borderlands as a franchise. Mm-hmm. I really do. I remember playing the first one on 360 before it became kind of a thing because people were like, hey, check this out. It yeah. seems like they mashed Diablo with a shooter. And I'm like, what does that look like? Yeah. And it was actually really engrossing to me. And then part two just upped the ante by like actually focusing on its story elements, which were really fun, funny, cool, and then part sometimes my- surprising. Part two is my favorite. Emotional. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Part two is everyone's fucking yeah. favorite because it's it's really, it set the bar. In fact, it set a bar so high for Gearbox that we forget that they barely hit that bar most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Duke Nukem Forever, Battleborn, Aliens Colonial Marines, and then it's Borderlands 2 where everyone goes, oh, Gearbox is fucking solid. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what? <laughs> Dude, that was like seven years ago at this They're point. They're fucking like one for ten. What are you talking <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm excited for Borderlands 3. However... I need to ask you this. What does a Borderlands 3 look like today? That's that's actually what I wanted to ask you. It's funny yeah. that we have that same brain going on right now. You want... Okay. One... Oh, then let's ask each other at the same sure. time. One, two, three. What, what does a Borderlands, Borderlands 3, 3 look, look like today? today? <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I think the core tenets of a four-player like loot and shoot... Is that what they call it? Like loot and shooter, loot yeah. Loot and shoot, whatever. I think, you know, that... That can survive in this climate. If you could still make a game like Diablo in in this eco space and, and make it be what that is, didn't that also come out in twenty twelve? That's true. Fuck. Oh yeah. Oh, it's been a while. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But I, I think there's there's still a place for games like that. But it's mm. like okay, well, the multiplayer game sphere has evolved so much since twenty twelve. So much since last gen. We have such an emphasis on like games of service and like true. sustainability and how do we keep players engaged and this and that. And it's like mm-hmm. I almost don't want to see Borderlands fall prey to that because I really like their games for what they are. I like that they're kind of self contained. I like that there is a sort of gameplay loop. I like the grind. I like finding better guns. I like the character interactions and all that and it's it's all it's all there for me if you throw in this like carrot at the end of the stick bullshit of like okay well you're gonna have to grind and there's gonna be weekly events and oh there's an end game that's better than what's going on here i'm like but how are you any different from every other game right now right i the thing about borderlands 2 and it's something that i can't believe that i have to say but that this is what our modern ecosystem is is that you earn things without opening your wallet very simply Mm -hmm. I don't have to be like, I don't ever feel like, ah, oh, fuck, I, I gotta pay money to like get these good loot drops or like, you know, get the good loot chest mm. or whatnot. Like, I don't have to do that. Borderlands was really self-contained and continually kind of make you, made you feel like, hey, I'm I'm getting better guns and mm-hmm. better shit to the point where like there's so many guns and, and interesting weapons in that game where you're just like throwing out shit. You're like, okay, cool. You served me well. Bye. Because the next thing is infinitely better. But you would definitely you know? find guns that you would cling to and like always try and keep with you. 
Yeah, yeah. That's actually an interesting thing that I um, we'll get into some Anthem talk later, but uh, Anthem does a bad job about where Borderlands always did a great job of making their weapons distinctive mm-hmm. to the point where they're like, yo, we came up with fake manufacturers with their own kind of like background and personality. Yeah, you have the torque guns, mm-hmm. you have what, uh, Malawan? Malawan, you have fucking, uh, oh man, I should know all of this. You have Hi- like at least every Hi- shirt. Hi- Hyperion, Hyperion guns, yeah. you got fucking, uh, uh, Atlas was a thing in the first game, mm-hmm. and then they got rid of that. Da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just so so distinctive and awesome. And then Anthem's just kind of like, oh, here's mm-hmm. this fucking cobbled together garbage. It's the same thing that you get at level 22 mm-hmm. as level 16. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I think they solved that pretty early on. Like, I like the grind for the guns, because, like, I would get a shotgun that was cool, but then I would get a shotgun that had, like, eight shots or, like, did exponentially more damage but also did like fire rounds or acid rounds and like they had different weapons and elemental sets that really kind of elevated the gameplay in interesting ways that helped you feel equipped against different enemy types and felt cool and powerful and i like that and it made the grind from like okay my first playthrough to my second playthrough feel awesome yeah i would really i think it'd be a great big goddamn shame if it falls prey to the similar trappings of other loot and shooters Mm -hmm. you know where it's like i don't want to see paid for loot boxes no, i don't want to like see that. go the route of like destiny <clears throat> or anthem or anything i still want to see gearbox do their own thing with it and like not like okay in the sense of like okay developing your own ecosystem and don't learn and make a dated game no make like a next gen borderlands game mm-hmm. give me the style still give me this the cell shading and the characters and the humor but give me something modern you know yeah yeah and i think that's uh maybe that's why we haven't seen anything up until now because they've really been trying to tool around with that idea Mm -hmm. of like what do we make this because we can't just do part two again Mm -hmm. i mean they could and a lot of fans will chow down on it nonetheless Mm -hmm. but if they really want to make borderlands 3 a thing they got to figure out that equation they're gonna be like how do we supplant ourselves and make ourselves noticeable in this destiny anthem division riddled world mm-hmm. i also like too that they had a solution for making that game accessible when you're playing it either by yourself or with a group of people like i exactly. feel like it was as fun playing by myself as it was with friends and that that was cool i played a lot by myself i'm by myself now daniel where are you kevin i'm here oh shit dude what's up dude pikachu's my favorite <laughs> fuck you dude <laughs> <laughs> all right we got another one on here number nine blizzard has revealed a new hero for overwatch well, you know, this happens pretty often. <laughs> you know, as, as months go on, new heroes happen. So it goes. So it goes. <laughs> Baptiste, a support character, is the 30th hero coming to Overwatch's ever-expanding roster. If the fan art is any indication, fans are already thirsty for him. Mm. Jean-Baptiste Augustin is combat is a combat medic hailing from Haiti. He was orphaned during the Omnic Crisis and adopted by the military group, the Caribbean Coalition. He later joined the ranks of Talon, becoming a mercenary. He later abandoned Talon and is currently being hunted by them as it goes baptiste is an interesting hybrid character his player kit emphasizes a support role with high damage output and because i'm a nerd i decided to uh detail his kit so here we go it's a big kit dude. it is what a kit man fuck? his primary weapon is a three round burst smg which while his alternate weapon is a biotic launcher that shoots healing projectiles at teammates his exo boots are a passive ability that allow him to launch in the air for a limited time think moon shoes regenerative boost is an aoe healing field that allows teammates to both heal near him and when they leave his side baptiste's immortality field is a device that casts a healing barrier that prevents teammates health from going below 20 percent it can be destroyed however 
Finally, his ultimate is called Amplification Matrix. It doubles his healing output and doubles the amount of damage that teammates put out so long as they shoot through the Matrix. Baptist is currently available on PTR on PC and should be coming to console sometime in March. So I gotta tell you, I love the Matrix. <laughs> What's your favorite Matrix? Uh, oh, the, the, the first one, man. Like, first what, one's good. What are you gonna do with that? But you know, if you really want me, if you want to like, press me, I don't think Reloaded's that bad. Reloaded was fine. I think it was fine. I was hoping for like a out of the ballpark answer thought you were gonna give me animatrix yo i was about to mention the animatrix animatrix is pretty cool yeah let's get let, like let's, let's re-watch the animatrix and then have like a deep dive discussion on the animatrix. okay well, we have to finish working our way through fast and furious right, that's true which too. we're still in the heat of right now yeah oh man five yeah. movies in and it's been a ride guys five movies in and we still hungry <laughs> um okay what do, so what do you think about this like uh like because he he seems soldiery but if soldiers like aoe like uh healing was just more yeah um i mean yeah because you definitely have the healing uh components yeah. as soldiers kit which is i like that it makes them a sustainable uh, offense character yeah i don't know i like it i like the kit i like the build i think he will stand out as a different type of uh healing character i like to play healers traditionally well what is he really because they're saying like he's a hybrid healer and offensive character mm -hmm. so what what does he lean more on and what do they what do they distinguish are they saying he's offensive i would put him probably in the ranks of somewhere like um like zenyatta where you do a good amount of healing but your damage output's pretty high okay. depending on the circumstances yeah but yeah i wouldn't put him in the ranks of like lucio where he, he does a lot of aoe effect but he's damage is particularly low mm -hmm. so i'd put him more towards like the zenyatta with like the aoe effects of lucio probably but i don't know i'm pretty stoked for it i i feel like i've definitely disconnected from overwatch quite a bit in the last few months i think it's it's there's too much going on like there's <laughs> yeah. there's too many characters and the meta and the balancing just feels way out of whack yeah, that's true. And then, like, you know, the other thing is, like, hey, we're walking away from, like, it came out in 2016, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I I feel like it's just a little bit different than other Blizzard games where World of Warcraft, you could totally understand somebody returning to it endlessly almost. Mm -hmm. And even Diablo to an extent is kind of like that, where it's like, what am I going to get? What am I going to earn? What's different? Mm -hmm. But Overwatch, it's more or less, it's Overwatch. It's yeah. going to stay overwatch you kind of know what you're getting at the end of every level you know what each season's gonna be like you actually yeah. even know now what each event's gonna be like because they don't really change them up too much yeah not anymore huh no they used to they used to be like oh here's this new fucking uh co-op event and all this and well it's they like they hit the, they hit the course of a full calendar year and with that yeah. they planned every event that would take place throughout the year your halloween events your holiday event you know your uh chinese new year your summer games yeah. and it's like they <clears> hit those every year and those are fine and it's reason to like get excited to play because you'll have specifically themed loot boxes and skins and cosmetics and all this but it's just like well i find myself disengaging because it's like i don't always find myself like wanting to grind for a loot box that i may or may not get you know or a skin that i may or may not get yeah that's actually i totally disengage with that whole element uh, of the mm -hmm. game i don't care what i get anymore if i'm playing it i'm just kind of like passing time yeah honestly like i'm i'm done with worrying about that loot because one i'm we're fucking oh god it, we're three years out from when it came out basically yeah, it came out in may of 2016 yeah we're so almost it's been some time yeah it's been some time and yeah it's kind of just gonna be overwatch i mean it's my old standby i've put i still love it yeah yeah i put well over a thousand to two thousand hours in this game i got really good at it and for a while like you like you always say you couldn't pry me away from it it's all i played yeah but you know after a while i have to learn how to love other games learn how to love myself 
and especially sometimes that means walking away from the the payload you know right so but baptiste looks cool uh maybe i'll try him out when he comes out of ptr does look cool i do have to wonder when they're gonna stop adding characters because at a certain point it just kind of fucks up the experience Mm -hmm. having way too many characters like do they plan to stop at like 30 or some shit or like 32 like i don't know what their plan for it is i mean it's it's interesting because like we once talked about what we'd want from an overwatch sequel but can i i can imagine for as long as this console generation goes on they're gonna keep supporting it until like the next big thing happens makes sense yeah oh well okay (laughs) all well at the end of that weird i mean i I maintain that i'm still i like overwatch i like the support they give it but i need something new from it give me a new mode give me like a pve mode that is standardized you know right just just something that really shakes it up and makes me notice it again because when when you say like oh here's a new character i'm just like okay whatever i'm i kind of figured out who i like playing yeah already well and then it becomes an issue of like finding out new counters and how to balance against that like every time there's a new character it fucks up my play feels and i have to learn how like that character works against me or how i play as that character yeah it's a lot to balance and manage and also stop fucking reworking my favorite characters leave them alone god damn it just revert mercy why the fuck symmetric back who was bitching about how mercy worked you're wrong jeff 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 Jeff, what the fuck anyway oh my god (laughs) the next one on here the division 2's open beta is live as of today march 1st what the shit it's pretty cool should I have downloaded it? I think or? you should have downloaded it. But we could have been playing it tonight instead of recording. We could have been doing a lot of things tonight instead of recording. All right, scrap this fucking episode. <laughs> you can choose the best Pokemon. You can all fuck ass. I mean, we could have been playing Anthem, but, uh, you know, we'll get to it when Why we get back. Why are you so... Come on, man. I wasn't... Okay. So, give me a quick gauge on Division 2. How hyped are you for that? How hyped am I... Uh, I think Greg Miller said a very interesting t- today on mm-hmm. uh, Kind of Funny Games Daily. Where he says, like, yeah, I think a lot of people are counting Division out, mm-hmm. but it's going to come in and be, like, the most solid games as a service Probably. that we've seen. Whereas Fallout 76 really screwed the pooch, and Anthem has just floundered since launch. Mm-hmm. This one's going to come out and be, like, just smack you right on the jaw. I think people should pay attention to this game. Mm-hmm. I think what... The thing is, for people that aren't, like, into military shooters... Anything Tom Clancy bores the fuck out of people. It bores the fuck out of me, to be honest. It does for me, too. And it actually kind of initially pushed me away from the Division because I was like, what the fuck? Tom Clancy's yeah. Division? But, like, when you get down to it and get through it, like, the gameplay is so solid. Like, the cover-based exactly. mechanics and shooting and the gunplay and, like, even the story was kind of cool. Right. It actually was a surprise for me. I I remember when we, when we picked up the Division 1, I remember thinking, like, this is way better than it ought to be mm-hmm. this is way better than it deserves to be like it is fucking solid part two now we keep on hearing ubisoft go on about it's like we learn from all the issues especially mm-hmm. what the end game was or the lack of content for the end game for the first game we're gonna come out of the gate swinging i think it's true i think it's an earnest thing that they're saying i think we're gonna get this game in our hands and like look at each other and be like fucking we wasted time on anthem didn't we <laughs> i gotta give it to ubisoft because i do feel like they really learn from all of their iterations they like sure look at assassin's creed okay they heard that people were getting burnt out by like it being annualized and what they were given so they took a step back okay biannual assassin's creed and from that we got odyssey which is probably one of the best assassin's creed experiences in what you would say years at this point true yeah like since what black flag for you probably and maybe syndicate, syndicate really. for me because i love syndicate no, i would say syndicate okay. syndicate's amazing syndicate is good yeah people slept on that because it came out right after unity Mm-mm. although 
since Unity is now like patched and all the funny, funny, haha glitches that Kotaku and all them are reporting on are like kind of ebbed out, mm-hmm. the story of Unity is very good. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Got to go back to Unity's story. That's a that's a little pitch for okay. you from the Ritter. But I don't doubt that they've learned from their experience. But my thing is like, this is kind of what burns me about like service level games. What is this end goal for this end game content? Like, why why do you always have to be building up to that? Why is that where the true game has to begin? Why can't you have a core like twenty to thirty hour game that's solid into itself, and then have some end game stuff that's cool? You know, mm-hmm. I th- I think that's that's an interesting question because I I think. When it comes to building out a story for a game that intrinsically is like a loot and shooter, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like the the loop is the game and then the flavor is the story rather than it being something where it's like this is just a straight RPG and then, you know, Mm -hmm. all the other content is supplementary. They realize that people kind of burn through it very quickly. You know, to mm-hmm. get to that grind, to get to that new gear. Because I remember like getting through the division story and just being like, "Oh shit, it's done." Yeah, <laughs> I got through that like in eight hours. Well, okay, what else is there? Mm-hmm. And then once you get past that point and notice that it's like, "Oh, eh, there's not that much else out there." It's mm-hmm. like, no, it 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 does. The emphasis is the tale of the game is that people are gonna burn through the story in a couple of weeks if they're playing casually, in a couple of fucking days if they're not. What are you gonna do for them? after the fact Mm -hmm. because you want to keep people locked into the game months after the fact and still kind of engaging with the ecosystem and still playing and still fostering that retention essentially Mm -hmm. so i I think it's a little different than like you know a god of war situation where it's like it's okay that they're done like even compare it to borderlands you know because like that's i guess we can compare it to that because they do something like that really well where it's like you have your grind you have your story the story is actually pretty substantial you do a new game plus where you grind and then you get like sure. even next level bosses. The grind is fun. I mean, like, I mean, I guess that's just the gameplay loop and you fall into it and you love it for that. Mm-hmm. But like, why does it have to be different for service level games than it is for a game like that? Yeah, I, th- I think you, uh, and we'll get into it. Mm-hmm. I think especially with Anthem, that is definitely a thing to think about. Where it's like, why don't you focus more on making this component the game itself mm-hmm. rather than like, okay, we put a story in and here's all the end game content. <laughs> yeah, I, I like I see your point on that one. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it's tough making these fucking games. No, I'm sure honest. they're expensive. <laughs> There's a lot of upkeep. That, yeah. yeah. Jinx. <gasps> <laughs> so Division 2, I am excited for it. And yes, I know they keep on billing the end game as being the end game. We're in the end game now, Daniel. But Ooh, that comes out soon. Yeah, it does. Oh shit. Anyway, I think it's going to be very good. The mechanics were so good in the first game. That's what I want my hands on. Mm-hmm. That's what I remember when I when I'm itching for a shooter, I always remember fucking Division. You know, it, it is mm, that's some top third-person combat right there, man. It's a fine game, and they even found a way to flesh out the world and nope. make you have fun exploring it. The collectibles that you could find, very Ubisoft, mind you. And then even like, you know, oh, I can go into the, the Dark Zone and do PvP stuff and just get like high-level loot. And that was really cool. I actually, I traditionally do not like PvP stuff in a game that it can otherwise be played in co-op or first person. Mm-hmm. But I still ventured into the Dark Zone, and it was kind of thrilling. It was an interesting challenge. Yeah, it was. Yeah, exactly. It was really, it was really interesting going like, like toe to toe and then being like oh shit the person that's shooting at me is not ai it's a person mm-hmm. and they want my ass 
<laughs> so I like I'm into it. Well, until then, Division Two comes out March 22nd, so we got some time. Actually, no, it doesn't come out March 22nd. It comes out March 15th. I'm thinking March of Sekiro. Sekiro, you're my hero. Sekiro, why is a console that's only available if you go to a Dutch site? <laughs> They don't know what we're talking about, Kevin. No, they don't. Oh, well, fans, Sekiro, uh, Shadows Die Twice, has a limited edition PS4 Pro console that's actually made of, like, wood and has a cool, uh, in Japanese, like, the name on the front of it. The kanji of it. Unfortunately, you can't even buy it. And you can't even buy it, like, internationally. You have to pre-order the limited edition of the game with some fucking i think it's called game mania out there in uh Deutschland. and uh you get into this raffle where they send you chopsticks through the mail and if the chopsticks are gold then there you go you got this special fucking console that is the most miyazaki level shit that i've ever heard it it's honestly early Nintendo power <laughs> shit, to be honest with you. Mail-in garbage, yeah. you know? It's like, hey, cut, cut out the barcode on the cereal box kind of style shit. All right, last news bit on here. Mm. Despite lukewarm reception, Anthem has sold approximately 40,000 physical units in the UK, topping charts in its first week. This doesn't account, however, for digital sales. To EA's dismay, Anthem sold only half of what Mass Effect Andromeda did in its debut week back in March 2017. It was actually EA's hope that Anthem would sell 6 million units in its first six weeks. Uh, nope. Ooh, I don't, that's a big nope right I there, don't buddy. Know how that's gonna go? <laughs> mm-hmm. It was reported on Friday, March first, today, that Anthem has <gasps> debuted at number one in Europe, the Middle East, Africa, and Asia. Sales haven't been reported in North America as of yet, likely due to the fact that numbers are still likely stuck on a loading screen. Low blow. Low blow. Anthem is currently sitting at a sixty on Metacritic. Oh, yowchos. Yeah. Um, yowchos. I, I am actually really curious to see mm-hmm. what it shipped in America. Yes, I would like to see those numbers, but I would understand why Electronic Arts would be reticent to show us such. Because mm-hmm. apparently there's not a lot of people uh, in the game. So oh, fuck. That was good. <laughs> no, I... So we both picked up this game. You haven't played it yet. I haven't touched it. I'm looking at it right now. I played a bunch of it. Mm-hmm. And How many hours have you put into it so far? God, I would say put maybe like less than 10 hours something like that because like i've only really ever played it co-op and when i'm playing co-op i've only ever really streamed it so you know i have like that stream schedule Mm -hmm. so i haven't put a lot of hours like solo into the game and i definitely have but i will tell you it's a far less enjoyable experience by myself than okay that comes with like three asterisks okay (laughs) (laughs) like it so to really enjoy the story of Anthem, you have to play it solo. Mm-hmm. But to really enjoy Anthem, you have to play it co-op. So it's split brain in that way, right? It's a weird dichotomy. So why is it like that? It's like that because um, Bioware is trying to throw this lore and story at you. And a lot of that comes through in your... It's a hub, essentially. Mm-hmm. But it's not an online hub Destiny style. And here's where it gets confusing. There is an online hub where you can see other players. And it does have, like, merchant and shop shit. 
But, in my experience, it's way harder to get into that shit without the game fucking crashing, and it takes forever to load into it. So it's not even worth going there. In fact, I've spent almost little to no time on this online hub that they built out. That's not Fort Tarsus? Is that something else? Yes, it's something else. What the fuck? Exactly. What the fuck is right? So Fort Tarsus is the area where you start in the game. You get your first javelin and all that, right? And it would make sense to kind of integrate a social hub there. But they don't. It's not social. It's single player. And also, for a game that's third person, you experience that entire hub first person. The fuck? And very slowly, your character moves slow as fuck as you're going through Fort Tarsus. But that's where you meet characters, and that's where you meet quest givers, Mm -hmm. and people doling out contracts and such to go out to the main mission world and shoot shit and do your thing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it, It... it really is split brain of a game. Mm-hmm. It feels like just a conflict of design choices. And does it feel like a split brain of like, okay, <laughs> there is the pinnacle Bioware experience here of a narrative character driven game against like an EA like service level, always online, always engaging co op game? So is that the problem? Again, asterisk number two of three. <laughs> the asterisk is the narrative driven experience. It's barely narrative driven. The narrative feels supplementary. And it feels dialed back, but it also feels too much. Again, this game is just, it's a weird dichotomy of like conflicting design choices. Mm -hmm. So what I mean to say is that the main core loop of Anthem is you going out into the world. I believe it's called Bastion. It's very unclear because there's a lot of proper nouns and a lot of nomenclature that they throw at you. Very Bioware. And the problem that it that it suffers from is that it describes stuff and tells you these things without ever letting you be a part of those experiences or meeting these things yourself. Really? It's a weird thing, right? It'll Because it talks about, in order to build a lore, it talks about whatever war or conflict that occurred without you seeing it or getting a sense of it. Okay. You know? And then... Whereas, like, a Mass Effect game would build you to an event or a situation like that where, like, you hear about a place from characters and then you eventually go there. And then you eventually go there. Yeah, this is a little different. (laughs) You know? It's it's, it's just a weird thing, man. Uh, But... It, it shines. It shines in some spots. That's why I can't discount the whole game. And I can't say that, oh, I'm having no fun with the game. No, not at all. I've had fun with the game. It's just, I've had fun with the game when the stars align. <laughs> it's not consistent. Would you say you're having the most fun with, like, Chelsea and Dave when you guys are kind of dicking around? Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then, and then what's funny is when it comes to just pure gameplay mechanics, that's fun. But the story and all that suffers because I'm not getting it because Mm -hmm. it suffers from the same problem that Fallout 76 had, which is you're an online multiplayer game and you're trying to encourage me to join up with people, but you don't think about what that actually is in effect. I'm on headset and two people are talking to me at the same time. And then you want me to sit there and talk to somebody in Fort Tarsus, an NPC, for fucking like three minutes straight. And I'm not getting anything from them. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting a quick like, aha, here's like, you know, here's what you need to do. Here's what's going on. All right, I'll see you. No, they're they're trying to have these in-depth Bioware conversations with me about their ha- their past <laughs> and their history with the world and this. And, and it's you have just conversation like, trees and you're like, it exactly. doesn't manage well here. And it, and it sucks because like you have to be like, oh, I'm sorry, guys. I, I, I can't. I need to pay attention to this. And it's it, that, that sucks. That's not a good experience. So it it really isn't seamless. It doesn't gel well in that way. And Mm -hmm. I remember like Destiny didn't really have that problem because it knew 
get the player back into the world and playing the fucking game. We will relay the story when it's necessary, not we need the player to sit down and pay attention to dad, <laughs> you know? I think Destiny did it in a really good way where it's like it managed it through like heavy cutscenes that like demanded your attention. Yeah. And like the character interactions otherwise were kind of sparse. It was just kind of leading you into events or quests that were just like kind of they were quick. Exactly. They knew not to overstay their welcome. Very quick, very <laughs> snappy. Get into the shit because that's where it's at, mm-hmm. you know? And Anthem to a degree, its gameplay is great. It's I, I love flying around in my javelin, which mm-hmm. is uh here unto known as a jav. So talk to me about much. the talk to me about the jabs real quick. Talk let's let's paint jabs. a good picture of Anthem. So what you get a total uh, of, of four jabs that you get to unlock over four or five? I think okay. it's four. Okay. So I actually started with the interceptor. Uh, which is, if you've ever played Warframe, should be very familiar because it's very um, uh, agile, quick, and melee eccentric. Ooh, okay. Or melee centric, I should say. And that was a lot of fun. That was my my introduction. And like you know, just like Destiny, you have a big old special, and the specials in this game are fucking cool. Hmm. You know, it's uh, if you're playing as the Interceptor, you're gonna be cutting shit up, and you're invincible while it's happening. You're just going fast and doing like super melee. Then you have the the more well-rounded ranger that's kind of like, you know, uh, jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none, kind <laughs> of your intermediary kind of thing. Okay. But here's where we get cool. You have the big boy, fucking forgetting what the big boy's called, but the the, the tank-based uh, javelin, and that's Warframe for, 2.0. Warframe 2.0. You fucking cat. By the way, audience, you don't know, but she has been trying to bite through the goddamn microphone cords this entire time that we've been recording. She goes to it when we're not looking and just starts chomping down. She's been a little devious. She's trying to play coy. Yeah. She wants to be a part of the podcast. She was literally sleeping a second ago. Yeah. You fuck. Okay. Anyway. And she doesn't like Anthem either. <laughs> yeah. But like the tank is as you expected. I actually haven't had any hands-on time with uh, the tank, but Dave says that it's fucking really fun. Okay. He likes the tank. Dave's word is law, so. Yeah. Here's my favorite. Storm. Ooh. Storm is like kind of like your wizard javelin. It's the one that uh, uses elemental attacks. Uh, that's the one that's closest to the warlock in Destiny. If you wanted a kind of a comparison, okay. Yeah, you you broke it down like that. I was like, oh, that makes yeah. sense. It's like the warlock. You're you're throwing like lightning or or uh, kind of fire or frost attacks, and you interchange that. By the way, okay. Yeah, I wanted to ask. Do you get different like skill trees with each javelin? No. Okay. <laughs> See, that's the thing that that, that breaks people's minds. Yeah, it's a lot like Destiny. Mm-hmm. A lot of the gameplay loops are there, but when it comes to uh, the character classes and progression, no. No, baby. Weird. Totally different. You don't get a skill tree. You don't get to increase certain skill sets. What happens instead is that you have gear slots. Mm-hmm. Uh, for your powers, you have two in particular. You have one that's more of like the the quicker R1 that you throw it out kind of constantly. Say, for instance, if you're the Storm, you're going to be constantly throwing out like little fireballs. And then you have your L1, which is a bigger, kind of uh, more special attack, but it also has like effects where it could freeze an enemy in place or throw down thunder on them and stuff like that. And of course, it changes per character. Like the Ranger has like more of a missile strike than, you know, with the L1. Yeah, they all have different shit. You're actually painting like a really cool picture of like what these things could do for The me. powers are really cool, <laughs> and you get to like play around with like, ah, uh, I don't want to be the Fire Boy anymore. Ah, oh, I'm the Frost Boy. <laughs> you know, shit like that. Uh, 
And that, that's what you got, though. Like, there's no, like, oh, hey, I'm going to uh, put some points into this skill okay. class or whatever. That's that's not there. I do like, though, from what I've heard, and I guess from yeah. what I've seen, too, that it's not like you start the game, you pick a certain javelin class. It's like, no, you can interchange between all four or five, like, whenever you want to. Yeah, exactly. Which is uh, kind of neat. You, you start with whatever you pick, and then at level eight, you unlock another one. And then at level, like, 16, you unlock a different one. And level 26, you unlock a different one as well. And you can change between between them and then uh, you can actually have um different kind of setups for each you have up to five for each javelin mm-hmm. where you can be like uh this is my paint job for this guy and including all of the skills and guns that i've equipped for him mm-hmm. and then the second one can have a whole different set oh that's cool <laughs> so yeah i've seen a lot yeah. of different like uh jav builds i've seen some that look like mysterial from spider-man some that look like iron man jim like... sterling had mysterio J- oh jim yeah. sterling had mysterio yeah, 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 yeah. yeah looks really cool so that shit is cool and that shit's good but then you get to these, like, just these little features where you look at Anthem and you go, like, dude, how the fuck? You weren't developed in a bubble. You live in an ecosystem where fucking Destiny exists, Division exists, all these games, Warframe exists. And it, the game seems to be going through the growing pains of acting like there's no other loot shooter out in the world to compare against. Yeah, I've been hearing stuff like that, like the UI, menu design, mission design, all that shit's just really poorly implemented in design. Oh, it's garbage. I cannot believe that there's a, the, this UX designer got like a handshake and a paycheck at the end of the day. So walk you know? me through real quick what it feels like to select a mission in Anthem. Okay, originally it was way worse and it's still not very good. Oh, did they patch it and fix they it? Pa- Patch okay. like certain parts of it, but essentially you had to. <laughs> so you get to the the mission menu essentially, and then uh, you have different blades, fucking like Xbox 360 style, between that you switch between like the social menu and then the gear set menu okay. and all this shit, whatever the fuck. And you have to go to like your map, and then that's where you select a mission if it's on there. You know, if it's like pops up as like, oh, hey, out in the world, there's a contract mission or a story mission. And then you press X. Mm -hmm. That doesn't launch the mission. Why (laughs) would it not launch the mission? Because it doesn't launch the mission. That makes sense, though. I got nothing for you besides it doesn't launch the mission. You have to back out. Like you have to back out one more like blade screen and then you can launch the mission. That's some weird, like, Monster Hunter World shit. Yeah, it's some weird Final Fantasy XV fucking poor map design bullshit. And I'm just like, this is weird. I should be able to press X and be like, that's the one I want, and that's how we're going to launch. Like, what well, the fuck? I feel like Mass Effect had a simple solution to that even, where it's like, if I'm on, like, the <clears throat> Galaxy screen, I just click X on a planet and I go there. Granted, I have to do some, like, mini-game weird shit in between, but, like, I'm, I'm going there. Yeah, exactly. You know? Here, here's another thing that's kind of a fuck up. So you might, you know, what I'm saying, talking about like you know, interchanging all your gear, and that's really cool. Mm-hmm. You can't do that on the fly. You certainly, you cannot do that when you're on a mission. Like you are stuck with what you chose when you're out there doing a mission. But you have to leave the mission, and you have to go to what's called the forge, mm-hmm. which is a separate screen. It's not even like in your menu. It's a separate fucking thing. You go in, you can see your 3D character model, and then there's like little uh, like uh, pop-ups like all over your body where you press X and be like, oh, change your weapon, okay. change your helmet, change your whatever. Da, 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 da. And that's how you do it. And so you always have to go from <laughs> end mission, press triangle, to go to a loading screen that loads up the forge. And it's not seamless. And it sucks. <laughs> I got to tell you. Like, and is it all transitioned by like forever loading screens? Everything is a forever loading screen. Okay. I know some people are like, oh, I don't have a big problem. It's like, yeah, 
I honestly like I, I've had some moments where I'm like, okay, let me boot this up or go back to Fort Tarsus and let me look at my phone and oh wait a second, man, I've gone through a lot of tweets <laughs> before this fucking game started up again. What's going on? Well, I here? hear the problem isn't so much like how long they are. Moreover, it's just the frequency of them. Like there's a lot of loading. there's a lot of loading. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of loading screens. I want to talk to you about a thing that really pisses me off. Sure. And again, I don't want to like totally just shovel shit on the game, but it, it is it is very endemic to where it's clear that the game wasn't finished. Mm-hmm. It's very clear that the game should not have come out now. Do Just you, like Fallout. Okay, I was going to say, is it on the level of Fallout 76? No, though. Okay. No. <laughs> Nowhere near the There's disaster a, that Fallout 76 is. It's more of a feature-complete game here. Yeah. Yes and no? Okay. Yeah. I can't give you a definitive answer on that. Okay. I enjoy myself more for different elements in, in Anthem than I did in Fallout 76. Okay. I did see some silver lining in 76 that kept me playing for a while. Mm-hmm. But overall, I feel like 76 was a much buggier, shittier mess than okay. what Anthem is. But Anthem is still no slouch in the shit department. Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But let me talk to you about one implementation that I'm just like, why the fuck? Why the fuck? So it has this big world, this big open world that you guys can fly together and use your jazz left and right, and it's mm-hmm. great, and that feels great. Okay. But it does this thing where if you're in a group of four or however many, and one of you trails behind, it arbitrarily forces a load on you to catch you up with the rest of the, the, the your crew. Yeah, so what ends up happening is if somebody decides to go fucking commando and go forward like a little too far, the rest of the party gets fucking load screen next to them. And it's like it, it, the game just stops. <laughs> First of all, it gives you a fucking warning going like, oh, you're out of the mission parameters. And you're like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck, Billy went ahead. <laughs> and then suddenly you're you're treated to a loading screen and then you're there. And then sometimes it just throws you either in the shit when you didn't want to be mm-hmm. or it loads you somewhere that's not even very close to the person that's still moving ahead. Uh, it's I don't, fucking annoying. I don't like rubber banding as it is, but that doesn't seem like the best thing to have in this game. No, it's not. Like I was thinking like Monster Hunter wouldn't have pulled that shit. Monster no. Hunter would have been like, oh, well, if that fucker doesn't want to be a part of your party, well, they're stuck on the other side of the map Yeah, somewhere. Monster Hunter was like, okay, your dude is there. You can... Yeah, there's the quick points that you could travel to, but otherwise you got to get to them. Yeah, like, you got to get to them, like run to them. You Destiny know? Two didn't have that problem either, did it? No. Unless you hit like a cutscene or like a mission sensitive point. Yeah, I exactly. I don't understand how Anthem created this annoyance for itself. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, wait, wait a second. Is is this a memory issue or like what the fuck is going on? Where you decided that this was the best way to keep four players together? That's dumb. That's super okay. dumb. I feel like that's one of those things, like, you need to patch that out, like, very fucking quickly. Well, I feel like it would constantly break the immersion of the world where it's like, okay, I'm exploring at my own pace, yeah. and, like, I'm hearing my friends doing what, and I'm like, okay, I'll catch up to you, and then I'm in a loading screen. And it's like, it's not the most natural yes. transition to where you want to be. No, I agree. So. That's the thing. It, it breaks the experience. It just goes like, ah, oh, fuck. And then and then you have other problems where, like, some enemies are just not that engaging the fight against, like, the Titans mm-hmm. are annoying as shit, because they have very few, like actual uh, damage spots that you can utilize and they have every trick in the playbook to fuck you up and there's like latency problems with like his attacks where like you really think that you're out of like out of the shit Mm -hmm. and then you still get hit and fucked up yeah that's the fucky thing about like always online multiplayer shooters like that where it's like you think your attacks are landing they're probably not and then you're getting fucked up somehow you don't know why (laughs) yeah so uh, my verdict is that I have fun when I'm playing with friends, mm-hmm. and I think the shooting is great, and the flying is great, 
when you can do it, by the way, because it's like there's a fucking meter at the bottom that goes, oh, you're going to overheat. And you mm-hmm. got to do things like either do a dive or get near water to do that. And I was like, yeah, I see your point. But like you, they probably should have dialed back on the debate because it seems like you overheat a lot. And what ends up happening is that I see it when I hop online with people all the time where suddenly you see them just drop <laughs> to the ground for a little bit, run and then go back to flying. And you're just like. So what the fuck is the point? Mm. <laughs> that that just looks dumb. Yeah. You just broke the whole like superhero fantasy of being in these javelins by doing that. Like it's just like d- d- come on, man. Well, I guess they had to like ground it and make it more human. It's like, "Oh, you're not a superhero. You're in a renewable resource ridden suit, you know. It's going to have to have cooldowns here and there." Yeah, but it just feels arbitrary. Yeah, no. I you know, it, it it's just like, well, "What are we doing here?" So honestly, at release, this game feels 70% complete. Where do you think it's missing content? If that's I it. I don't even think it's missing content. I think it's all of these struggles that it's going through is just that a little more time and a little more effort mm-hmm. could have gotten into a place where it's like, okay, cool. We're not running into these stupid issues, these stupid loading screens, or hopefully somebody could have said, hey, the forge doesn't make any fucking sense. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. You know, like they would have had enough time to somebody be like, ah don't do the forge (laughs) well i feel like they had to like qa it at some point or with the open demos they had to figure something was going on at that point but i guess by the time you're in open demo territory or early access territory it's like well the game's coming out like you can't stop it from coming out at that point here's the thing and i know a lot of people like answer the questions like oh how do games launch like this what the fuck don't Uh they know better yes they absolutely know better yes the things that we're complaining about bioware certainly fucking knew about Mm -hmm. before it was released. Absolutely. Does that mean that they're culpable or that they're malicious in any way? No. They're stuck in the developer-publisher dichotomy, that relationship. Mm-hmm. EA wanted this out of the door in February. That is the truth of it. The EA wanted it out now. And that is why we're, we don't have the absolutely great anthem that we want. Because EA was like, no, 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 man. People still buy it anyway. We put enough marketing into it, and you fix it later. Bioware knew. Well, <laughs> I feel like they had to learn from fucking Andromeda and how that worked. Like, oh that game God. came out, and it was a buggy mess and very unsatisfying from a Mass Effect standpoint. And that, that probably could have taken more time to cook, too. And why couldn't they have learned from that experience? February... What was so important about February? I mean, yeah, sure, divisions around the corner in March, but like if they had waited until April, like April's also another good time to probably put out a game, especially a service level type game. I, I think you get it away enough from like Call of Duty and Battlefield, even Red Dead. Division will have its time to ebb and flow, and then you get this cool polished game like two months later. Yeah, you, you got to think that there's, you know, they got a bunch of number crunchers behind the scenes that sure. look at the whole roadmap for the year and they say to themselves, like, it doesn't even matter about the quality. It's just like, here's the thing that's supposed to make us money. Mm-hmm. Where's the best placement in the year for it? Here's where we decided. Push on the dev to do that. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all it is to them. It's never just like, hey, what's the best thing for our fans? What's the best thing for our customers? That's I don't think EA even thinks on that capacity. Well, probably not, but then you can't get mad when this game doesn't have return or it has a low Metacritic or it's not selling as well physically as it should be. Can't get mad? I mean, the rumor rumor has it that <laughs> the whole Apex Legends launch and how well that's gone for them, that mm-hmm. they, may, they may not be sweating Anthem being uh, this kind of disappointing launch. That's true. I'm sure they're reaping in a lot of cash from that whole endeavor. Right. But I, and I, I don't even think this will put like Bioware on ice with them because I think I, Bioware is a 
still a beloved studio, still one that EA values. Mm-hmm. But I, it does raise questions for me. From Andromeda to Anthem, we keep on kind of coveting Bioware. Mm-hmm. What is Bioware anymore? It seems like a lot of the people that made Bioware, the legendary studio that we mm-hmm. talk about, the one that brought us Mass Effect, a lot of those people are gone. I mean, Casey, Casey Hudson gone. Casey Hudson's still there, but I, I mean, say, say uh, the 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 doctors, uh, the guys with the PhD who mm-hmm. ran the company, they're gone. Okay, there's people that have totally left Bioware since then. I mean, it's like what what really is Bioware when we talk about Bioware? I, I feel like it's getting closer and closer to the Infinity Ward situation. Okay, where it's like we keep on going like, ah, Infinity Ward brought us like uh, Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare Two, and it's like, yeah, but the people that made those choices. And the people that developed that game went on the respawn. They're gone. Mm-hmm. That's the truth of it. It's just a name. I think we're at the point where Bioware is just a name. <laughs> That's true. I mean, yeah. I feel like, I mean, you still have Casey Hudson there. I feel like Mike Gamble gets the heart and idea of what a Bioware game should be. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it might be more of what you're sounding off there. Yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting too to see what happens with um, Dragon Age Four if that lands in the way that players want it to. If that's exactly what they were hoping for from a core Bioware or Dragon Age experience, even. That's a scary thing, though, <laughs> man. That's a scary fucking thing about this, where it's like. I feel like back then we knew. In the way that players wanted to land, mm-hmm. no such beast. It's going to land the way that EA wants it to land. It's going to land in the time of the year that they think is the best, mm-hmm. regardless of whether or not it's going to work for bioware or work for the consumers you know it's it's like that's what scares me it's like i feel like at this point it's like shit dude bioware needs to pull bungee well yeah no they do but also dragon age is a different beast it's like a yeah. single player experience there no sure it, it doesn't have to worry about the same sort of like service level qualms that like anthem does you know oh loot boxes and fucking dragon age <laughs> yeah i couldn't imagine <laughs> Sorry, went on went on a fucking no, no, it's tangent. It's cool there, because but... like I wanted to hear about it. I was definitely like a little reluctant to pick it up because like I said before, I got burned by Fallout, and I wanted to spend my dollar smartly. But it's like I heard you guys having fun and like you know yeah. the load screens, the menu UI, the rubber banding, the crashing of the servers. Like you know that happens in games. The frequency of which it's happening is kind of alarming. But like higher than usual. Yeah. The gameplay looked fun. The shooting looked fun. You know the, yeah. the javs. I want to fly that jav. I want yeah. to get jab crazy. I did, listen, man. I I think it's more of there's this meta to the game that's mm-hmm. really just <laughs> it's our group. It's the second city jabs, dude. <laughs> we're making it fun, dude. That's that's what we're doing. I mean, I think that was the same thing with like you, me, and Dave, and Destiny with the Soul Skaters. Like Destiny Two yeah. was like a, a fun and good game, and it served us. But it's like we made our own fun yeah. within it. We had know? more fun that way, but it's you know. That, so that's what it really is. They laid out their roadmap, I think, for the rest of the year in terms of like <sighs> fuck my ass. In terms roadmap. of loot systems and like end game stuff, it's like what what would you like to see? I don't know how far into the story you are, but like, what do you think they need to do in terms of all that to like make it a sustainable game? They need to fix all the annoying shit so okay. far. They need to somehow figure out what's going on with the fucking loading screens that happen almost every two seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing would be a loading screen reduction. Awesome. And I think the forge definitely needs reworking. I think it's okay. cool. I, I understand the concept where it's like we go to another screen that shows our javelin and then shows like, you know, all your options and stuff. But really, dog, how much better is that than just putting that in a menu? I mean, if I, uh, we if Destiny and Assassin's Creed Odyssey can figure it out, why is Bioware sitting here going like, oh, well, 
you gotta go through a load screen and also you can't do it on the fly <laughs> it's like what is that yeah yeah that that doesn't feel good as as uh, somebody who plays a couple of those games this cat's wiling out she's wiling out wiling out she's yeah. doing that like 11 o'clock hour thing yeah. where she like wants our attention like usually we will be watching something or playing something and she'll scratch yeah. on my vinyls yeah, she wants that fucking attention look at you you want the romance options back. Here you go. Man, We're going to love that Krogan. Yeah, we love that Krogan. Grab oh, that yeah. Krogan. <laughs> Grab that Krogan. It yeah. just, it burns my dick that like a game like this today will be completely different than it is a year from now. And that'll be the game that was meant to come out. And it's just like, God, it's the song of the service level game, you know? Yeah, we just keep on fucking buying into it, huh? We fell for it like suckers. <laughs> yeah, we sure do. I mean, I wanted to know and I wanted to be able to advise the mm-hmm. customer. Sure. I, again, again, I do not think Anthem is a bad game. There is something there to it that makes me want to continue playing it, and I still have fun with it. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of problems. They're not huge problems in my mind, but they're things that are definitely going to hurt the longevity of this game. Those are the things I want to see fixed. You know? So, save room recommendation here. Would you say people are better off waiting for this game? Yeah. Okay. I, I would say, guys, wait another fucking four months for this game. Four months? Wow. Okay. Yeah, and that that's that that probably is the most upsetting thing that a publisher like EA could ever hear. Mm-hmm. Because what it means is that, well, the first 14 days of any game release are the most important. The most important, because that's where the bulk of your goddamn sales are going to happen. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's going to change, especially with service-level games coming out sure. more. But that's what it is right now. And right now, this is a rocky fucking launch in 60 on Metacritic, my dog. That's got to be the lowest I've ever heard of from Bioware. Uh, Yeah, I don't know what Andromeda looked like. I know that one was like in the 70s for a bit. Really? 70s? I, I think so, yeah. That one's unexpected, too. <laughs> um, Is is there monetization in the game? Is there like paid for loot boxes and paid yeah, for leveling and it, all that? It looks like it, but I honestly, when I see menus and shit like that, I fucking just tune the fuck out. Mm-hmm. When I was playing Apex Legends and saw that shit in the menus, I was like, okay, don't give a shit, bye. Yeah, I think it's easy to distance myself from yeah, it Yeah, I, I distance. So that that's one thing, too. You can still engage and enjoy the game without feeling like you have to pay for anything. Okay. I will say what's really disappointing is that um, while you do get like a bunch of guns after every mission and a bunch of like powers and such or like you know level up versions of the same powers uh, when it comes to actual like cosmetic gear doesn't come doesn't come from like like beating missions and shit which is really surprising to weird me. like i did i didn't read anything about like that being a thing but it seems like it's very much tethered to a currency system that you have to actually go out of your way to buy like emotes and armor and stuff like that so what do you get at the end of missions then if not like high level loot or javelin upgrades no don't don't get me wrong you do get high level loot it is just guns and then your abilities okay that is it you do not get armor sets and all that because the armors actually have no effect on your defense or anything like that okay it's a weird thing to like get your brain around especially when games have tailored me to think exactly when you've been conditioned to think like no i need to get better boots (laughs) or like better helmets that's not in this game that's actually kind of removed and i almost feel like that's not a boon for this game it almost would have been preferred if i could earn more stuff like that but I, i don't know that that's what i've experienced so far maybe that's different when you get later into the game Mm -hmm. but that's what it is right now okay interesting well i will get into it while you're gone i'll probably i will be what what are we called the second story skaters we are the second city jabs second city jabs i will have my inductee weekend (laughs) we'll see how i do if i get bounced from the team you'll know when you come back from ireland i ireland ireland 
Ireland. Uh, I want you to tell me about a game, buddy. Sure, because while everybody was having their anthem jab party, everybody was touching each other's jabs <laughs> and having a little jab orgy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I leaned into a Critics' Choice sale, and I decided to buy Celeste for $11, which is a game that I was really, really interested in picking up uh, last year, because I you know, I'd heard good things about it. I think it came out January 2018 on the Switch, and... I don't know when it came to PS4 and Xbox, but it happened later on. And I was like, yeah, I want to get on on this. But like so much came out at the end of 2018 that I was like, I don't have time for it right now. And I, for some reason in my brain, I was like, $20 is too much. <laughs> but $11 seemed pretty, pretty sweet. $20? You might as well rob me. Well, they no, didn't. They, they definitely robbed my sanity. I'll give them that. Oh, I'm sorry, buddy. So Celeste... Hard game, huh? So Yeah. Oh my God. Tell me about how hard it is. Um... I come from the school of platforming. I grew up on Mario and, and Sonic and uh, Pitfall. You know, those games, I really love that sort of stuff. It kind of really reared the sort of gamer that I am today. But it's just, that is the core gameplay tenet through and through. It is a platformer. It's not like a Metroidvanian where you get like better abilities that help you traverse better and unlock different things. It's like, no, you have very like level specific things that you platform off of think like super meat boy like yeah, little, yeah good yeah that, like, it honestly like reminds me a lot of yeah it, like yeah. you have levels or platforms that'll move up and down or left and right and you might have to grip onto it and use your momentum to kind of propulse yourself just like you have to use the level to platform off of so um basic of the game you're this girl madeline i think her name is um madeline. she's having a little you know about of anxiety and self-doubt and fighting some inner demons so she decides to climb this mountain called celeste wait what is it wait hang on hang on hang on what's hang up on, hang on hang on what yeah she's having like an existential crisis she's basically like having this existential crisis and she heard about this summit called celeste and she's like okay i'm gonna climb it <laughs> and that's legit like the whole premise of the game her bat is, is it like a metaphor it's a Do metaphor it's a... and then you get the sort of like in inner demons turn outward with a character called battleline who is like her like <laughs> dark goth evil self her dark link yeah i love it so you get like eight points of the mountain that you have to climb up and they're basically levels of increasing difficulty they'll throw different things at you whether it's different like um, platforms or spikes or uh wind different like level mechanics here and there and it you know you build a foundation in the opening level it teaches you how to play it and it's like okay you can jump um you have a jump dash that you use but it it's locked to one use basically so you jump and dash and then it just it's like enervated so you have to be very choosy when you use it but it resets when you touch the ground oh no so sure. like as long as you're jumping and hitting a point that you can reset it you're good but the thing is you're usually trying to jump between like shallow platform to shallow platform or like really hard to reach place and you have to be very specific about like your movement sometimes you're like okay well i need to save this dash jump so maybe i should climb up this wall wall jump a little bit dash land reset and then go from there so yeah it's funny you saying like when you touch the ground i was watching you play and i was just like man it doesn't seem like there's a ground yeah <laughs> it just seems like wall jumping forever yeah i was playing on like one of the level later levels it was like level eight it's the core of the mountain that you get to do later it's part of the epilogue and like there's legit points where you can't touch the ground and you have to platform off of like things that are moving and it gets really really complicated um so it is it's definitely challenging but um i i gotta say that there's a rewarding gameplay loop to it um i will praise matt thorson for his attempt at trying to make people feel like they're gaining a sense of progress because typically in a game like i don't know mario or hollow knight like you'll have like a health bar that you basically work through and if you die you'll get sent back to a certain check mark points mm -hmm. celeste functions on screens basically so you have screens that you progress through that you have to 
overcome. And it basically check marks you at the beginning of each screen. So you basically work through that screen until you get to the next one. And it becomes this death gameplay loop of like, okay, I'm going to keep dying until I figure out how to get past this platform to the next level and so on and so forth. So it makes the, the gameplay loop really fast. And it's like, okay, cool. I'm dying a lot. I've died a shit ton on basic levels, on the B sides, literally everywhere. I've died, I think like 5,000 times at this point. Oh my God. It's, it's a lot. And a lot of it is frustrating, but I definitely, I feel like I've gotten better at it with each death. It's like Dark Souls, you know, death is the design of the game that helps. Yeah. Death is a mechanic. You. Death is a mechanic. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, like dead cells would be, you know? Um, and you definitely Fuck feel dead like, cells. Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight is hollow, right? But you definitely <laughs> oh, feel like yourself That's getting like stronger that. and better at it, and you feel smart for overcoming it. And um, you know, it's not for the weak of heart. It's definitely hard. I like Matt Thorson. His company's called Matt Makes Games. Yeah. That's who put out this game. Um, he basically was like, Matt? okay, yeah, Matt. We're gonna, we're talking to you, Matt. Matt makes games. He was like, okay, I want to make this game that I want to make. I want it to be about overcoming odds difficulties hardships but he also wanted it to make it like accessible for people mm-hmm. there was a lot of conversation around dark souls and then like when cuphead came out that like hard games are inaccessible for people but he wanted people to play this game so he added like an accessibility mode where uh, yeah. you have infinite jumps or um you have invincibility where like if you fall into a pile of spikes you won't die mm-hmm. um and you can kind of like it's an option on one of the menus you can turn it on or off and you can kind of basically set whatever you want you could speed up the level speed. You could, you know, set your salmon however you want to. And it, like, you can kind of tweak it to your own play style and what you want to do with it. Uh, no, actually, that, that seems like it takes a cue from, like, what Mario or New Super Mario Brothers did with, the like, the assisted mode. Okay. I feel like they were just like, you know what? Like, not everybody can actually do this mm-hmm. or, like, you know, keep up with that. I think that's that's pretty cool, especially. I definitely found myself, like, banging my head and wanting to throw my controller during certain screens, during certain levels, because it's like they get harder and harder or like you'll even get to a point in level where like, cool, I fucking got this. And then they throw like one level mechanic or they have a enemy that chases you and you're like, fuck, now I have to learn how to platform and <gasps> navigate. X. No, not Mr. X. Oh. His name's Mr. Oshiro. He's a sad hotel o- owner. He might be a ghost. I'm not sure. Uh, all right. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. Um, Celeste, I've, I've really been loving it. I've been playing it since Saturday, actually, since like you guys got hard on the Anthem. And uh, I got through the main mountain summit. So like that's the first eight levels. In each level, you get strawberries that you can collect. And you also find like little cassette tapes that are kind of hidden and tucked away that unlock B-sides of levels. So you'll get like level one, but then you'll get level, you'll get the B-side version of level one where it's like, it takes the core mechanics of what you learn from the level, but then it adds like a different like thing you have to worry about. And it makes the, the platform a little more tight. There's a lot more dangers and you basically just have to work your way through it. And they're fucking grueling. Like I think I've died more on the B-sides than anything else. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. But it's cool. Um, each level has its own specific song, too. Like, uh, Lena Rain, the composer, she did a fucking bang-up job. And on the B-sides, they remix the themes for each level. So it's really cool. You get like a... I think she got an award at the Game Awards for doing She a... did, yeah. No, no, no. She got it for uh, doing a bang-up job. Oh, she... <laughs> that no, was it. That soundtrack is killer, dude. In terms of, like, setting ambiance and, like, making, like, that summit feel like a very um, existential, experiential experience. Like, it, it... I don't know. It feels very immersive. So, yeah, I, I don't know if this game is exactly my flavor. Like, mm-hmm. we talked about it a little bit where it's, like, something like Hollow Knight is way up more alley than mm-hmm. I think and I think I'm just searching the truth of my heart. Sure, you got it. A straight-up platformer doesn't interest me that much, mm-hmm. and that's what this game is. Like, there's no combat, right? No, no, there are literally no enemies. There are things you can avoid and things you basically jump off the platform, but, like, yeah. 
battle line or even Mr. Oshira when the when they turn on you, like you're basically just running from them and having to hurry yourself along from screen to screen until you progress to the end. And it's is, like Is he a giant ghost? Or just he's like, like a, a weird floating vampiric ghost head. Okay. Yeah, it's a weird turning point in the story. <laughs> um but no, it's Hollow Knight is like a very combat extensive, very ability laden yeah. game that like it feels cool, it feels rewarding to play and it feels good to have your like it has it feels good to have your hands on whereas this like it's a strict platformer so if you don't Mm. like platformers that don't have more to them then it might not be for you but there's so much more to it in terms of like the story the sound design like the graphics like for like an 8-bit sort of renaissance type game it's beautiful like the graphics are very cool yeah it it looks great the music is really what stands out for me like you mentioned before uh i i don't know if i'll get this though that's fair like, i think that's one of those yeah you're like i'll borrow it from you and i'm like i got it digitally you're like ha and you winked at me and i was like okay dude yeah, yeah i was making the joke though. yeah because like because you don't you don't i can't borrow yeah. your download i can't i know because it's not real it's not real downloads aren't real downloads aren't real <laughs> they're not but there i'm uh i'm working my way through it i told myself i'm gonna you beat it. it what are you talking about well no no i so i beat it I beat the main eight levels, but then yeah. there's eight B-sides, and then there's C-sides after that. What the fuck? Yeah, and then you have to collect all the strawberries and collect all the crystal hearts. There's oh a my There's God. a lot going on with I'm it. just saying, you know, and then I have to albums a, don't flip to a fucking C-side. It's the first I've ever heard of it. Yeah, well, you get, you get double disc LPs that have C-sides and D-sides. Really? Yeah. What, so are the D-sides just like, these are the shittiest songs? <laughs> <laughs> Demo plus. Imaginable. But yeah, I think, I think I'm going to platform it. The thing is, like, the platform uh, percentage is pretty high, probably, because people are just nerfing it with the accessibility mode, which is fine. You can do that. Like, I showed you a little bit of it where I'm like, okay, I'm literally just jump dashing everywhere. I'm not even touching the ground. And I'm like, cool, I beat this first. You landed on spikes and it was just like, oh, okay. Yeah. It (laughs) it doesn't make sense. Whereas if I did that normally, I would hit the reset screen like 8 million times in a minute. This ain't going to come out of anybody for playing a game on fucking easy. Mm -hmm. There's so many many games out there and so little time. You want to get through a game, power through a game, power to you. Matt was like, hey, play it how you want. And I respect it. I like it. Yo, Matt's a good guy. So we got one last game here you want to talk about. Oh, I do. Just just a little bit because like we missed out on the initial hype wave of it because uh, we you know we were just you know doing our thing. We we're just feeling ourselves. We're always just feeling ourselves. Well, it's just we've been feeling ourselves this whole fucking episode. Yeah, we're fighting like tiredness and exhaustion right yeah, here, I'm, and the fact that it's near midnight to just be like we're feeling ourselves. I'm trying to be tired yeah. so I can fucking like go you to have sleep kind of like early and get to the fucking plane on time. That's my biggest nervousness thing. But anyway. Anyway, Tetris 99. You've got 99 problems and they're all Tetris. They're all fucking Tetraminos crashing onto my soul, (laughs) (laughs) eviscerating what was once Kevin. So we talked about this on the last episode when we talked about the Nintendo Direct, but Kevin has since, he he was like, I want to play a game, I'm going to get Nintendo online, I'm going to play Tetris 99. Yeah, I got it before, uh, the week before Anthem came out. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I need a new game. I, you just get that new game itch. Son. I get it all the time. Some people, they want to get their D wet. Some mm. people want to feast on some exotic food. Me, I just want to break my dick off in a brand new video game. And I didn't have that. I was going to say you just wanted that new game smell, but you're like, no, I'm going to break my dick off in a Tetramino. Yeah, I, I did. And then it, <laughs> I didn't expect it to break the Tetros in my ass. 
<laughs> so this game, if you don't know, and of course you fucking know, fuck you, you fucking know, it is a battle royale spin on Tetris. Now, what does that look like? No, it isn't driving Jeeps full of blocks that murder each other with machine guns. <laughs> what it actually is, is you play Tetris as you will, mm-hmm. but there happens to be 98 other players and you can see their screens on your screen. It's very tiny, but you can kind of see it's actually pretty impressive. A lot of action all there. back there. Yeah. A lot of action, a lot to focus on, but don't worry. It gets simple. What happens is that you're going along, playing Tetris, trying to clear lines, trying to be you, do you. And then you notice, oh god, other other players when they clear lines fills my shit up mm-hmm. with gray blocks. These immovable goddamn blocks that I have to work to clear now the fun thing is they don't happen on top of your blocks they happen at the bottom of them so it's harder to get through so not only do you Uh, have your own concerns you have to work your way through these bottom blocks and your screen can fill up until you're eliminated it boosts up your blocks really fast too really fucking fast because multiple people can target you it's kind of random but you can also select people to target okay but there's like with a right stick on the switch you could just be like uh target people that are targeting me <laughs> and that's what it ends up happening i oh, always I never, set it to that I got, like i played a little bit the one yeah. night you got it but i never got into like the systems of attacking people i'm like okay i just i figure i'm attacking somebody out there it gets really hard to pay attention to when mm-hmm. you're trying to not get fucked by tetraminos yeah. essentially but it ends up being really fun and a really interesting take on Tetris. I mean, we saw last year Tetris Effect was one of the most like revolutionary takes on it since Tetris uh, Tetris Attack. Mm-hmm. This is also in the same vein, not as extensive, mind you, but just a cool idea. Take a simple game and expand it with just a gimmick that actually is baked out and works. Mm-hmm. It's very fucking cool, and I, it's also very fucking free. I was gonna say. Yeah, but... Well, I mean, for 20 bucks a year, but... That, see, that's the thing. It's like, you need Nintendo Switch Online, and I had no interest in getting Nintendo Switch Online. We both talked about it on the show before. Mm-hmm. A collection of 8-bit NES games isn't really going to pull my wallet open. Now, mm-hmm. they said SNES, N64, even GameCube. Oh, fuck yeah, I'm there, I'm there knocking down the door. Mm-hmm. But this is the game that made me, you know, go for it. I would say it's smart on Nintendo's part because, like, Nintendo doesn't really have, like, their own IP-laden uh, Battle Royale type game. No. Like they, I mean, they have Fortnite that's, like, cross-play on the Switch right now, which is pretty cool for them. But, like, they don't have anything like that. And they're like, okay, well, how do we get people to buy into our online service? Well, Tetris 99, it's always online. If you want to play it, you have to be online. And here it's free. So it's like this sort of like caveat where it's yeah. like, huh, yeah, well, I, I want the game. I'm going to get the game. And then, oh, wow, I have online now, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the kind of thing that we're talking about. This yeah. is the thing where it's like, hey, you are uh, putting out there the perceived value mm-hmm. of your online ecosystem. Before, it was just like, here's many NES Classics. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. And then it's like, oh, here's this hot-ass game that everyone's talking about. That's a better get. Well, like the replay value of Tetris is so fucking high. like that, Super high. That, it's infinitely high. Like I think of a game like Tetris Effect, where it's like I played that game nonstop for like two months, and like I still want to play. I still think about it all the time because it's just like I just get in there, I, I make the pieces fit, I make the yeah. songs happen, and it's great. I know the pieces <laughs> fit because I watch them fall away. Anyway, all right, Maynard, <laughs> get the fuck away from the chords, please. You're being an asshole tonight. Anyway, I. I actually went back to Tetris Effect a little bit just because I was just like, I need more Tetris. I don't know why. I, I love, real quick, that we got these two 
major monolithic yeah. Tetris experiences back to back. Like Tetris Effect revolutionized the way I play Tetris. And then this is like, well, I, I think the one thing that was missing from Tetris Effect was like, you know, co-op or PVP, if you will, like, you know, trying to fuck somebody up. And like, this is Tetris 99 in full swing. It's you and other people all the time yeah so yeah i i I agree where it's just like what the fuck this is like such a cool bent on tetris that it's like it's hard not to pay attention to and it's like hey we can take that concept of like you know one versus 98 or however many and just do cool things that don't involve shooting people (laughs) yeah it's neat uh and i played a lot of it it's really quick to get into matches Mm -hmm. and i haven't had any of the you know normal online problems that nintendo switches online has presented itself with games like uh smash okay uh, so no, it I I severely recommend it. I fucking love it, and it's a shame that I can't play it on a plane, you know, unless mm. I have some Wi-Fi or something connected. <laughs> yeah. So what is your current highest ranking in Tetris ninety nine? Highest ranking in Tetris ninety nine is uh, six. Okay. I've gotten to sixth place before, and it gets fucked up because, well, when you get to like the top ten, you know who's against you. You know who's against you, and it at yeah. like the falling speed of the block speeds up too right and it's it just it's ridiculous because you have to make some like very quick plays about like what am i gonna do what am i actually gonna do because you can get fucked very quickly somebody just targets you and it's like hey you remember when you were working to build like a a big old tetris now nah, it's gone you're dead you're gone <laughs> yeah it's a little uh, more aggressive than tetris effect where it's like i feel like in my mind i could build two tetrises back to back and get like an eight line clear but it's like this it's like you you have to do it faster. You have to be more on the fly. You can build those yeah. Tetrises to fuck other people up. Because I think, like, if you do Tetrises or if you do T-spins, those are the things that help send out, like, worse attacks on people. I don't know how to do this fucking T-spin. Like, I understand the concept. I just, I, my brain is not set up to fucking, like, establish that. Well, this is why we're sending you to Ireland. So you can unlock the mastery and mysteries of the T-spin. I Wouldn't you have to send me to Russia to figure out, uh... Well, okay, your, your flight connects in Ireland, so... You know. okay yeah. <laughs> i know it's a weird roundabout but is that okay we're Russia getting you there. a little far from ireland yeah anyway. but i will i will say that um so apparently playing tetris has had an effect if you will on people in different ways especially the uh cognitive abilities mm-hmm. and i have been a part of this quote-unquote tetris effect not tm the game so you didn't experience this at all after tetris effect the game came out it's more no weird no no because like i played a lot of tetris 99 like just because it's so addictive to go like oh fuck i got to like 47 or like i did a match and i'm like god damn i didn't break out of the 80s and like you keep on wanting to go back and back and back Uh it's that competition which is not i normally don't have the competitive spirit in me but this game makes me want to play it over and over so obviously i got immersed with a lot of it in fact i want to play some tonight um (laughs) but so if you play it for prolonged amount of times it has an effect on you and i actually did uh there's a there's a ow there's a wiki okay yeah i'm fine there's a wikipedia page about this and i just kind of want to just go over the overview is that the tetris effect which is also known as tetris syndrome occurs when people devote so much time and attention to an activity that it begins to pattern their thoughts mental images and dreams it takes its name, of course, from the video game Tetris. 
Now, to go into a little more depth here, is that people who played Tetris for a prolonged amount of time can find themselves thinking about ways different shapes in the real world can fit together, such as the boxes on a supermarket shelf, the buildings on a street, or hallucinating pieces being generated and falling into place on an invisible layout. In this sense, the Tetris effect is a form of habit. They might also dream about falling tetraminos when drifting off to sleep or see images of falling tetraminos at the edges of their visual fields or when they close their eyes. In this sense, the Tetris effect is a form of hypnagogic imagery. Daniel, <laughs> I have experienced the Tetris effect. You've experienced this hypnagogic imagery? Everything that I just told you has happened to me. I am not kidding. I have dreamed of clearing lines. Are you lucid dreaming tetraminos? Yeah. So I want to ask you real quick. Okay. Because I imagine we had this first instance with Guitar Hero. Do you remember that effect of like seeing like the notes and lines fall and then closing your eyes and seeing like the mental imprint of that stuff? Yeah, yeah, of course. I feel like there were soft impressions of that there. Yeah, almost in the same way as looking at a fluorescent light, closing your eyes and you still see the after image of it. Yeah, yeah, that that burning. Something like that. This is a little different though i don't go around in my everyday and imagine like guitar hero notes falling from the sky okay i have definitely been at work reading an email and imagine that the lines and spaces in between words being filled with tetra fucking minos dude this has happened to me are you out there like walking along like elliot ave and like looking at the seattle skyline and like how can i rearrange this how can i make it all fit <laughs> like the movie pickles uh, pixels <laughs> no I, like no i i uh, not exactly to that okay. extent <laughs> But when I look, I remember thinking like I was in a meeting and somebody was sitting in an armchair and I was just thinking about like the space between the wall and the armchair could very easily be fitted with an L block. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like legit that was happening. But here's the most interesting thing about this. And I'm going to go back to the wiki to kind of discuss this. But after I played just like coming home from work, being fucking stressed, my job is stressful. Mm -hmm. Sending me to Ireland. Uh... I played Tetris 99, had my Tetris dreams, and I actually felt better throughout my days. Really? Yeah. Oddly enough, I felt better because, like, I've been feeling, like, a greater sense of being, like, kind of overwhelmed at work, especially as, like, kinds of things are kind of ramping up because it's the beginning of the year. People mm-hmm. are, like, you know, coming back from their vacations and from Cabo and shit and going, like, what can we do? And it's just like, oh, God, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And it, it, it gets so easy to, like, be filled with anxiety and shit. And, like, I noticed when I was playing Tetris, I was just like, I feel good. Like, I, I feel like it's getting exerted. And even, like... I feel a little more analytical about stuff where I'm just like, it's like problem solving. So I, I was like, what is that really? And uh, there apparently this Wikipedia goes into, here's the place in cognition. Uh, now, let's see here. A study conducted by Lynn Akagaki and Peter French in 1994 showed that participants who played Tetris for 12 30-minute sessions with no previous experience of the game did much better than the control group in both the paper-pencil test version of spatial skills as well as the computerized version. The conclusions drawn from uh, these experiments were that video games such as Tetris had a positive effect on three areas of spatial skills, including mental rotation, spatial perception, and spatial visualization in those who played for prolonged periods continuously. 
like what? <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty crazy. Games like that have been known to help people with like cognition. People have like cognitive behavioral problems, PTSD, learning gaps, stuff like that. It actually like helps your brain go, and it, I think it actually pings on like your gray matter as well too. Actually, yeah. Next <laughs> point here. Uh, this is actually from the Biomed Central BMC study that was done in 2009. Their results show that uh this game is responsible for physical cognitive development which also improves things like memory capacity mm-hmm. tetris now listen to this safe roommates <laughs> tetris has been found to act upon this flexibility of brain matter by thickening it according to the bmc study it appears to link gray matter plasticity to the brain efficiency but you know, there's no substantial research making these claims. Uh, you know, it's been published this time. But, uh, whatever, whatever. It can be assumed. Well, that's not good in science. But it can be assumed <laughs> that playing Tetris affects the brain in a healthy way, such as allowing your brain to operate more efficiently. I kind of felt that. Dude. That's crazy. Yeah, I need to play way more Tetris. I mean, if it's helping your your analytical level and your cognitive brain and helping you de-stress, play more. That's what I'm saying, man. <laughs> I need to play some more fucking Tetris. And, you know, I find myself, especially since it's so quick to get into matches, mm-hmm. you know, I'm playing a game like Anthem that has forever loading times. Let me pop on a little Tetris yeah. real quick and I, I end up doing that or I end up doing um, what I like is like, you know, I undock the switch, lay on my back, throw on some fucking YouTube, watch a little red letter media, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm just playing Tetris and just kind of de-stressifying and just feeling good I, I i just recommend it man interesting get some tetris in your fucking life i mean right? i wouldn't mind getting the online service for it because like as, as the roommates know like tetris effect was like one of my game of the years last year and fucking like i was addicted to that level and knowing that i could play with other people and fuck their days up by dropping blocks on them that gets me hype i played yeah. on yours uh that first night i played like a few rounds and i think you got my- the two my high was two. I thought it was four. Your high was oh yeah, your high. I thought was my four. high was four. If it was two, goddamn. Your high was fucking high. But and I feel like I hadn't even fully unlocked my potential because I was playing in handheld and I was looking at my pro controller and I was like, <laughs> I was like, if only I could play with the pro controller, I would be killing people right now. I actually heard the pro controller is not as great as the Joy-Con because the Joy-Con like it's it's little uh, C stick buttons. Mm-hmm. You know how they're not like they're separate. Yeah. Whereas the D pad is all together, so it's easy to accidentally do the hard drop. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, that do makes the sense. Drops, so like uh, that's what I heard. Where it's like, eh, the pro is not as like it's more comfortable, but it's not as efficient. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Little Tetris Pro Tetra Tip. Tetra Tip. Get the Tetra Tip of this dick. Oh my god. <laughs> well, that's it. That's the Tetris effect, I guess. That's huh? the Tetris effect. It's real. It's like looking into the eyes of God. <laughs> looking into your eyes right now but you look exhausted yeah it's time it's time to fucking do you want to you want to sound this episode off for the people yeah dog let's do a little housekeeping at the end here uh you can find us <laughs> yeah sorry i was just like where where, where the fuck are us? we you can just find us you can find space, us find us in the streets life just you find us in ireland apparently rabbling yeah man just doing our thing uh you can find us in soundcloud.com slash the save room show or you can find us in spotify or you can find us on stitcher or you can find us on fucking itunes that doesn't want us to number episodes yeah anymore. we can't number this or title it tetris 99 or anything yeah like that. exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. they'll fucking shut up shut the whole operation down that yeah. we don't make any money off of uh, or you can go over to twitter Mm-hmm. And you can hit us up at Save Room Show and just tell us all about how the Tetris effect has improved your life. Go to go to at Save Room Show. Show us your screenshots of your highs. Make Kevin feel bad so he can feel better. So we can 
overcome and beat these fuckers. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means either. I just said it. Yeah, you did. Sometimes though. I start a sentence and I don't know where it's going to no, go. No, that's fine. Michael Scott. <laughs> where can they uh find us if they want to see our faces well unfortunately they can't find us streaming the tetris 99 because we don't have capture devices you can find us don't natively streaming on our playstations over at twitch.tv you can find kevin at twitch.tv slash the red herb and you can find me over at twitch.tv slash dungeons and daniels when he comes back hopefully we'll be streaming anthem together but he might be on that division two hype and i might be whoa, feeling whoa. all fomo all over again so whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Never feel that FOMO, brother. Never fear. You're never missing out if you're enjoying yourself right here, right now. That's true. I mean, I was definitely enjoying myself in the moment with you here, feeling very ephemeral and good. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. the Kevin and Daniel effect. That's what it is. Yeah. D and K all over again. All right. All right. Well, bye, guys. Fuck well, bye, you. guys. We'll, we'll see you probably in like a week and a half, two weeks, because Kevin's gone this weekend, and then next weekend you'll also kind of be traveling and returning yeah i know yeah so we'll probably return what, what an are, endeavor <laughs> what's today the first we'll probably sit down and record again on the 15th there you go so there it is <laughs> oh, it's division two launch day dude i'm gonna be all dividing all day uh always be divided yeah you best just put that microphone in front of me and i'll be like let me tell you what's going on hot in the spot <laughs> <laughs> all right guys thanks as always for listening and being the best save roommates we appreciate the fuck out of y'all bye bye